Good evening, Sifters. We are back. Finally back in the studio. We've got our TriCaster operator, Sam, who finally decided to show the hell up <laughs> and do his damn job. What the hell, Sam? Trying to take vacations to actually like enjoy your life and stuff? Yeah. What's up with that? Three-week vacation. It's just like <laughs> those crew guys. You just can't, can't nail them down. Yeah. It is good to be back uh, live streaming and reconnecting with you guys in a live setting. Really excited about tonight's show. Obviously, Huge, huge news. Huge. Huge news in gaming this week. We're going to be the talking best about systems. <laughs> Just the best systems. Yeah. Uh, so it's great to come back and have some really awesome topics. Had a lot of fun doing uh, Freestyle over the last few weeks, but I'm glad that Sam is back. Uh, you guys probably don't realize, but like the way we were doing the shows before, we had to hand edit everything together. And uh, it took forever. Uh, we had a guy doing it who kind of knew games. That's about the best you can right. hope for with video with video editors in LA. I kind of know games, or I kind of like games. Uh, so we had because like, the ones who really do know games are all full time on pretty much game yeah. studios or the other places. Yeah, we're working at like trailer houses yeah. or whatever. So uh, glad to be back. This show will be archived much more quickly than uh, our freestyle shows. That's for mm -hmm. sure. It'll be going up uh, really early first thing tomorrow. So if some of you guys can't stick around for the whole episode, it'll be up early tomorrow morning for you guys. So obviously big topics to get into. A few small things we want to talk about before we get into the meat of the show. Uh, first of all, today Xbox was announced Xbox One outsold PlayStation 4 again in August. And I think really in August is where we're, we're seeing the bulk of the Xbox One S sales. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your take on that, Matt? Do you think it's really just the Xbox One S, or do you think this is maybe the start of a little bit of a trend here? No, I think I think people are holding their breath for the... Uh, you think now that think the big if, news broke about... I think if you just Google PlayStation 4 buy or shop or whatever, you're going to start seeing stories about the Slim and the Neo. and right. the, it's a, So I think anyone who does even a minor bit of research is going to know, like, well, this is the time to wait. If you're gonna buy a PlayStation 4. Also keep in mind the Nintendo 3DS actually was the best selling yeah. platform yeah. in July. So there's a chance still that the 3DS could win August, but all Microsoft put out today was that it toppled the PlayStation 4 this for yeah, the Yeah, Microsoft month. doesn't care if they beat the 3DS. No. Do you think <laughs> if you're Sony that you're starting to maybe wonder a little bit? Nah. No. I, th I think uh, they're still comfortably on top. The the Slim's gonna sell just fine, and uh, I think they, they're not gonna worry. You know, their pre allocation, pre order allocation of PSVR is sold out already. Um, I think they'll maybe start to worry if the pre order allocation of the of the Pro doesn't sell out. Yeah. Um, I would expect that to sell out too, because that that that's pretty good price. Yeah. If that's the case, I'm actually really impressed. Especially that... because like you're, they've got a huge thing going on where it's like. If you're in the market for a PlayStation 4, and you're like, oh, maybe I'll buy a Slim. But then you're like, well, it's only 100 bucks more to right. get the super-duper one. We'll, we'll get into so, that. But I, was, I, I think that's say, what's happening there, really. I will say, if, it's, if that is the case, if people are informed and they knew that these announcements were, were coming, like the average Joe knew this, mm. that's pretty impressive. That means information's getting disseminated out there Some, pretty well, well. Well, like I said, I think it's more, um, if, you, if you just Google it, you're going to see those stories. Yeah. You know, people are talking online about it constantly. So anyone who even just, you know, types that into any search engine, I think is going to find out, oh, what's this Slim thing? You know, I, I, I think it's, you know, the leaks have been so constant, and especially with the Slim, yeah. like, whatever happened there, and people actually got, got it, <laughs> like, got an actual system early. Uh, you know, that, that, I think that just... You know, must have you know populated the Google search enough that anyone who even decided to, if it wasn't an impulse buy, if you decided to do a little comparison shopping, I think you found out inadvertently, even if you weren't even trying. It was funny too to see at uh, Sony's media event that 
it never even recognized the leaks. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when they do these press events and something leaks out beforehand, they'll crack like a little joke yeah. about it no, or make, was no... make light of it. No. <laughs> There was nothing. What, however that happened, that was not a laughing matter, apparently. Yeah, I mean, it, I think they proved that by how quickly they were taking down videos of the oh, Slim yeah. online. I mean... Well, I still... I, I will probably never know the real story behind it, but, like, how'd they get the system? Like, that... I've heard information is one thing, but the actual unit? Well, the funny part is wow. that, like, like, a couple days before the event, someone actually did a complete teardown of yeah. the thing. Like, the thing hadn't even come out yet, and somebody had already got it and completely torn it <laughs> apart. It hadn't even been announced yet at that point. So, crazy times in our industry. Uh, rumors are swirling. Not even rumors. Like, well-placed informants are saying that the NX is going to be unveiled in October. Not this month, as mm -hmm. everyone had kind of thought it would be. Cutting it close. Yeah, I mean, you still got four months there. That's enough to get the hype up. I mean, hype up, but it's more about manufacturing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like think that's not a lot of time to get a launch allocation out. Unless I have they're a, not expecting to sell too many. I have a feeling they're already they're already being manufactured. Though. I think if they were, then we'd know. Maybe, I think the leaks would happen. Maybe the fact that there have been no real serious leaks of like photos or anything like that makes me think that it's not in production yet. But look at the plus. It's obviously being or pro. It's obviously being manufactured already. Maybe. And, I mean, well, stuff did leak about that, so what am yeah. I talking about? <laughs> uh, finally, before we get into the show, this is something that maybe only Matt and I, maybe a few of our older sifters may appreciate, but today, Interplay mm. announced that it's basically liquidating all of its IP, um, Earthworm Jim and Earthworm Jim. Mm. <laughs> That's pretty much all I no, the, the big one uh, there for me is Free Space 3. Yeah. If, I mean, somebody, if Volition could get the Free Space back, that would be a big deal. Interplay was always like a poor man's publisher. It was never yeah. like top and, of the and, industry. And yet the press release says leading industry pub Leading what yeah. exactly? Like... <laughs> I don't know. They were a little generous in the press release. Like, that's never been true. Even when they were doing well, they were never leading anything. Well, they're trying to drum up, like, support for people to buy right. the IP. So they're going to hype it up. Also, I noticed Who wants that... MDK? <laughs> I also noticed that Wedbush is handling the sale. Yeah. So if Pactor says anything awesome about Interplay in the next <laughs> round of episodes, you know he's full of it. So... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, one final note. Yeah, ask Pactor which one he's buying. Yeah, but Interplay <laughs> is one of those publishers that was always like a, a small fry. Yeah, it never had massive hits. Like Earthworm Jim, literally was its only like huge hit. Yeah, it had some legit things in it, but it was always like, it was never something you could go up to like your average person and expect them to know about it. Bigger in Europe probably than the U.S. Yeah. as well. Kind of like Infogrames was back in the day. Yeah. They're all kind There's of another one, Infogrom. All those weird little things that, that <laughs> began with an I. Infocom. Well, the funny part is people called Infogroms Infogames for years hmm. and years. Like, I even remember I when see I... the R. Yeah, I even remember when I first started working at GameSpot, some of the younger editors, which I was one at that time, would call it Infogames. People huh. just, for whatever reason, could just... I think their brains just automatically said, oh, it's games, it can't hmm. be Groms, because Groms makes no freaking sense whatsoever. I, I also heard of Infograms. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying with like, the R on there, like, yeah. most people just assume it's going to say games. I don't think so. I ever did that, but uh, I never quite knew whether it was Groms or Games or Grams. 
Like it was Grames. Grames. Infogrames. Info, I heard Infogrames a few times. I've heard that a few times. Like, I, I, early, early on when I first started going to E3 and people would say, you've been to the Infogrames booth or something. I'm like, yeah. what the hell? Is the in- what are you talking about? Yeah. But it's like, at that point, nobody knew how anything, you know, there were no interviews with people in video or yeah. anything. No one knew how anything was printed. It took how long for anyone to know what Ubisoft was? Well, the, Ubisoft did that whole video, like, mm-hmm. how do you pronounce it? And basically, even Ubisoft was like saying, Ubisoft, Ubisoft, we don't care. Mm-hmm. Both are fine. Ubisoft, 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 we don't know, yeah, but Ubisoft is yeah. officially how they say it. Yeah. So, one more thing before we get to the big six. Uh, I'm shooting another round of Pactor on Saturday morning. Right now it's Thursday night. So, you guys are going to, people who aren't watching the live stream are going to get this early tomorrow morning. Whenever you watch this, go ask questions for Pactor Factor and think about them because the last round of questions we did, Pactor, I could tell he's getting a little testy with some of the yeah. questions. Uh, because a lot of them, like, what he what he has a tendency to do is over-answer a question. Mm-hmm. So you'll ask for one specific thing, but then he'll answer he'll answer that, but then he'll go into something else. And a lot of times when we do the first couple episodes, we'll load it with, like, the most recent stuff. So he'll end up answering a question that's later on down the list in that first question. And so he gets to that last question, he's like, I just answered this. And mm. it's like, well, you really weren't supposed to. You right. just, like... Totally expanded on the first one probably longer than you should have. So, put some thought into those questions, guys, and try to mix them up as much as you can. And as always, make sure that you try to ask, ask some questions that are both relevant and will make sense a few weeks from now. And maybe one or two that are not about Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna, I mean, I, look, I know we're going to get a ton of right. PlayStation Pro questions. Try to read the questions people have already asked, because generally when we take the questions, we obviously give first preferential treatment to anyone from Sifted instead of Twitter. Uh, but second of all, whoever asks the question first, generally, as long as they ask it well, is the person who gets that question into the show. So, just some tips. Uh, the thing about Pactor Factor is it's only as good as the questions people ask. That's the bottom line. Like, so, if you guys don't like the show, ask better questions. That's what I can say. And with that, let's get to the big six. Nope, we're not going to make you wait for the whole episode to talk about what you really want to hear us talk about. PlayStation 4 Pro, not the Neo, Mm -hmm. totally ditched the whole Matrix thing, just like they did with PlayStation VR. And uh, it's a good name, I think. It's I guess it gets across what you're after, and it kind of gives it a little bit of a a little bit of an elite status kind of thing. You know, it's just like, oh, I got the Pro model. I'm playing it in Pro mode. Like, is that what the Neo mode is going to be now? Pro mode? I, I guess. I'm going to play Tomb Raider in Pro mode. What does that even mean? Apparently the boxes are going to have, like, a Pro little thing on them right. to let people know if... Uh... But do you think that that's a good idea for the name? Because it... You're right. It does kind of denote this elite status. Mm-hmm. But do you think some people might look at it like, well, I'm not a pro. I just play games casually. Maybe, Maybe this system isn't for me. Maybe, I mean, Which, uh, is that true? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, it's only a hundred bucks more than a Slim, so right. it's like if you don't have a system yet, I don't see why you wouldn't buy a Pro, um, unless you're really like scraping by for the entertainment budget, of course. But like, um, that's really interesting. It's interesting to me that the Slim is so close to it in price because I did not think it was going to be this cheap. Matt, I called both prices, by the way. Did you? I, I called two ninety nine for the Slim. I called three ninety nine mm. for the Pro. I'm actually getting really good at this. I think I've actually called the price of the last like ten systems. I that think have been I thought released. it was going to be four fifty at the lowest, and I think that was because I thought it was going to have the uh, the UHD Blu-ray drive in it. That would make sense. Um, 
But you, Where do we uh, even start with this? Do you want to start with... That seems to be the big talking point, is it doesn't have right. UHD support for Blu-rays. That seems to be the one thing everybody keeps bringing up right. as its big detriment. Does that bother you, Matt, that it doesn't have it? Not in a... It's not in any way whatsoever. Me either. Uh, because people are like freaking out. Like my buddy, I was just look. The Ultra HD thing for movies is a scam right now. I, I and I and there are many many cinematographers and editors who will agree with me on that. It's stuff is simply not mastered at that resolution. Like right. it, I mean, you could out of like a film, you know, not digital, but out of film, like, a, like an actual physical film, you could get an 8K master out of that if you if you scanned it at the highest imaginable resolution with a perfect print. But most stuff is not even mastered in 4K. Even Force Awakens was only mastered in 2K because it was just too, it's too expensive. That's what I was saying. So what like, about old films? Like, what do you do with those? Those are all upscaled. Like, that's the best you can do, right? Where was No. It? Like, old films that are actually shot on film, you can get an 8K transfer an 8K. out of it. Okay. Yeah. Because film is analog. Film is light. Like, you can right. get a ton of detail. But some like what you're going to run into problems is, like, late 90s, early 2000s, mid 2000s stuff that like when digital was coming in, like Attack of the Clones, not that anybody's, you know, desperate to get a, another, watch that movie again, but like <laughs> Attack of the Clones was shot at 1080p. Like the whole thing was shot, right. like, the live action is shot in 1080p, the effects are, re- you know, rendered at 1080p. You cannot do a 4K no of Attack it. of the Clones without, um, Basically, you would have to re-render How all the you CG. You'd have to re-render all the CG, and you would have to upscale all the live action. It would look terrible. It would look awful. Like yeah. you, you, you're, o- you're always going to be stuck with a 1080p version of the prequels. Basically, at the very least, episode one and two. Uh, they might have, they might have mastered uh, uh, episode three higher in higher resolution. I'm not sure about that. But like, the thing is, like most movies, and like the other thing is, like if anyone who has any experience with the Ultra HD Blu-rays that have been put out so far, like the four, supposedly 4K. Those re- those masters are terrible. Like, like yeah. you also have to, on top of that, trust the studios to do a master that's worth but, it. But Gaming op- is where the 4K support matters. But I let's think. operate under the idea that eventually 4K UHD Blu-rays will matter. Well, and- by then you'll be buying a PlayStation 5 and it won't matter. You think it'll take that long? Easily. For like that to catch up? Yeah, I think supporting 4K streaming is far more important. It's not going to look as good as an actual disc, just like... You know, 1080p doesn't look as good in streaming as it does on an actual Blu-ray. Yeah. But, like, the amount of studio work that is going to actually support 4K on UHD Blu-ray is so minuscule that, like, anyone who cares that much about it is going to have a dedicated player at this point. My my perspective on it is that I don't... I never buy movies. Like, ever. I got my... The last time I bought a Blu-ray was when I got my 3D TV. And I bought, like, the mm-hmm. three best 3D Blu-rays, according to reviews, on the market. Just so I could enjoy my 3D TV, because I knew content was limited. I haven't bought anything since. I don't really buy movies at all. Most people buy me movies, it seems like, <laughs> for, like, Christmas or my well, birthday. Well, I know they can't get you games, yeah. so... And they'll buy me, like, the same ones over and over again. Like, I think I have, like, three copies of, like, Beat Street from my relatives. Because <laughs> I remember when I was, like, 12 and I used to break and, like, I went to see mm. Beat Street with them. Like, stuff like that I get, but, like... I don't buy movies anymore, and Sony's perspective on this whole thing is that they don't think people are going to buy movies, that they think people are just going to stream movies, and mm-hmm. 4K, that seems a little dicey. Like, my but- I was just back on the East Coast for the weekend, I was hanging out with my buddy, who just got a brand new Boss 65-inch Samsung 4K TV. 
and he was trying to stream stuff from YouTube, and it's hardwired and everything, mm -hmm. and still it like constantly is pausing and like jerking. Yeah. Like the infrastructure is not entirely there yet. It's you know the streaming is going to be it's going to be fine. It's going to be better than what you have on the existing systems. But um, it's not going to be as good as a disc. Never will be. I still do buy uh, you know, Blu-rays of stuff that I I'm really sure a lot like. A lot of people do. I yeah. still, I you know, not everything. You know, you, when DVDs were in their heyday, I would buy everything. I mean, I yeah, had, you I used had to buy a ton. I had you had the almost, Criterion Collection show up at G4 yeah, and I had like the pallets. Whole, I still have that. I still have the first 300, 350 Criterions yeah. all on their, their own shelf, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I think at my peak, I had almost 2,000 DVDs. Uh, it has been cut way back since yeah. then because digital and the fa and, you know I yeah. replace my favorite stuff I replace with Blu-rays I still keep up with like uh, Pixar stuff well not so much anymore because I think yeah. Pixar is starting <laughs> to slide into a lot you know, of those CG um, studios a lot you know classic slide. Disney stuff uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe Studio Ghibli um, you know favorites uh, you know I, you know the Back to the Future Godfather uh, all that stuff. So I'll, you know, something I know that I think is either one of my favorites, or I think is like a historically important thing that I'd like to see. You know, I have a Kubrick stuff on yeah. Blu-ray. There's some great transfers of that. But like, I have not upgraded to 4K stuff yet, and I will probably not be doing that for quite some time, at least until I see that the media is there to support it, because. Most of these studios are not interested in going back and doing a, a true 4K remaster of their classic films, and, and you're not going to see that for quite some time. Well, my buddy ultimately... It's way ahead of... The cart is way ahead of the horse on this one, I think. Well, then this same guy yesterday starts texting me after all this news breaks, and he's like, so what's up with the Pro? And I'm like, it's going to be the best system to play games, at least for the next year, without a doubt. And I'm like, even then, you know, if you don't like Microsoft software lineup, it's still going to be better. And uh, he still went and bought the 1S because uh, it will play mm -hmm. the UHD. So there are that, some people I mean, people that is an there. advantage for the S because, you know, that's one of the few accessible ones. And that's the ones. S, not even the Scorpio. Right. But I'm, and I don't know if anybody knows the Scorpio is going to have that. But um, I think it's a, a safe assumption. But although probably, they asked Microsoft about it, Microsoft has not yet committed to it, but it made right. some statement like they were, it's highly likely They that were it very be. cagey about it at E3. I think the lack of it in the Pro will push them to put it in the Scorpio. Oh, yeah. I think they're going to... I think you're going to see. They're going to turn the tables on Sony. Oh, I think they're really. That's what Sony did to them. Right. I think they're going to really push the Scorpio to be noticeably more powerful, and it's still not going to matter to me because I, all I want the all I want one of these new upgraded systems for is to play Sony's exclusives. Right. Because I have a PC that can play whatever Microsoft can throw at it. Right. Um, but for you know console players and people who aren't interested in having a high end PC like that, like that's going to be a really good deal. And, yeah. And putting the UHD in just makes it even more of the total package. So I think Microsoft will do that. Will it be a good deal? I mean, we don't know. Well, the price if, if yet that's what you're deal. after, I mean, because if you buy one of those TVs, you want something that can keep up with it. Right. So it makes sense that you would want. I mean, I, it's not like I look at the people like complaining that the UHD isn't in the PS the PS4 Pro and being like, oh, these people are crazy. It's like, no, I yeah, get yeah. why they want that. There, it's just you know yeah. one more, one less thing to have to buy, yeah. and it costs Sony like what, like fifteen bucks to put it in there. Right. Um, but I think they really were targeting that four hundred dollar price point, and they and maybe they, needs to bite the bullet on the fifteen bucks. Maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> Too I mean, late now. I mean, I think the, I think the internal argument could have been made. Yeah. Um, but apparently it didn't. So I, I, I'm not going to miss it. I understand why people are pissed about it because, like, yeah, it's like. It's called the Pro. You'd think it would have the top of the line right. available features in it, but it just, I, I mean, I also, don't, I mean, I'm not going to miss it because I don't think it's a very important feature right now, and it won't be for another four to seven years. So. And traditionally, Sony does have the latest media capabilities. Yeah. Well, in its I mean, machines. they own it. 
So, right. Like, <laughs> I mean, the PlayStation 2 really launched like the DVD yeah. craze, PlayStation 3 with Blu-ray. The, the difference is, I think, um, the difference between Blue, uh, uh, VHS and DVDs were just night and day. For Anyone sure. could yeah. see them. I, mean, I still remember going in for a, for a going away present in 1997 when I went back to college. My dad got me out of nowhere. He got me one of those giant, crazy Sony Blu-ray, like, you know, the, uh, yeah. DVD players, you know, yeah. where like the front opened up and right. all, I mean, it was like, it was like, here is... It had like a carousel yeah. where you could put like... It's like, here is the future. <laughs> and like, right. I was like, okay, fine. So I, I, you know, I went and I took it to college with me and I got like a, um, I had a TV and I got a, uh, like a, I think it was a copy of The Wild Bunch and a copy of uh, Blade Runner. The, one of the first DVDs, and like I had to explain to my roommates what it was. Yeah. And they're like, "What? what what's the, I, oh, I love my VHS." Yeah. I put in Blade Runner, and I was like, "Oh wow! Oh my god! Like it yeah. was like unbelievable!" You know, and and I can definitely see the difference between like a DVD and a Blu-ray. Oh yeah. And then of like it's a Blu-ray an and an Ultra HD. Yeah. But I'll tell you this much: I can see the difference between between. 1080p gaming and 4K gaming are a lot easier. Oh, for sure. Because just sure. the 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 thing about a game is like when you render a game at 4K on your computer or you know when you do it like you know like you downsample the way they're going to do with a with a pro you're literally putting more visual information on the screen than you would not just bigger you're right. putting like you're, you're putting and you can it's see dense, that it's more you dense. can feel it. even when, like you said like when you see the 4K for Forza Horizon 3 shots and video like you can tell Even when they when you downsample that there's a difference yeah. i mean i was i've been playing uh deus ex uh i'm running at 3k downsampling to 1440p and it, it, it makes a difference yeah. it really does and if, like you, yeah you got to be trained to kind of i mean not trained it's not like we went to school for this but it's like <laughs> you got to know what school you're looking for but you can definitely see the difference and yeah. i think that's why i think you know in terms of like the ultra hd the 4k stuff like gaming is where it is at on that because that is where you're going to see just night and day differences and you're not going to see that as much unless a student with movies and, and tv shows unless a studio really goes to the effort to make a dedicated 4 or 8k master out of their stuff and that's just not going to happen for any but the most lucrative and important films okay so that segues nicely into the next part of the conversation which is games which is what most of us are going to use this thing for is to play games which mm -hmm. is why i'm so shocked that there's been such an uproar over like I can't watch well, my people movie disc. If people are going to spend almost half a grand on something they wanted to do, everything they can imagine they would want that I that item to do. Yeah. And Sony systems have always been able to play the cutting edge movie discs. I mean, the PlayStation Three is still the best Blu-ray player I own. Yeah. I mean, that is that was oh, a for sure, yeah. cut, that was that was better than any of the standalones you get at the time, and it's still great. It is. So yeah. there is a pedigree. That Sony, you know, and even going back to the PlayStation One, where like you know DJs and music guys considered that original PlayStation, you know, the play, original PlayStation with the, you know, the RCA out, like that's still a sought-after device. It is, yeah, for for some people, and like Sony has just always kind of had that reputation and that pedigree, and the fact that they're sort of stepping away from that with PS Pro, I totally understand why people are a little shocked and taken aback by a that. A little shocked. A little bit. I'm surprised by how big the uproar is. Now let's talk about the gaming part of it because. People have always been equally up in arms over the capabilities of the console. So mm -hmm. people are saying, you know, it's not really a 4K console, which is probably true. A lot of their TVs aren't 4K either. But, right. It doesn't matter. And, 4K means a lot of things. Right, and by that measure, the PlayStation, the base PlayStation 4 isn't a 1080p console right. either. Because very few of its games actually run in the full 1080p mm -hmm. resolution. And if they do, they're at a lower hertz, they're at 30 frames a second, they're not at 60 so how big of a deal is it to you? The GPU 
Two and a half times more powerful than the GPU mm -hmm. in the PlayStation, the base PlayStation 4. They're saying that the the processor, they won't say exactly how much more powerful it is, but they're saying it is a magnitude more powerful. For an extra $100, Matt, because I've been shocked. Like, even the people, the, you folks on Sifted, like, you guys have been, like, saying it's not worth an extra $100. Do you think it's worth that extra 100 bucks? what you're getting out of this thing? Yes. If I didn't have a PC, for sure. Like... It's not even a question. Like they, they look better. They clearly look better. Mass yeah. Effect looks great. <laughs> if, like it's like and I yes, I'm maybe yeah. with Matt. It is totally worth another hundred dollars. If I it was if it was like five hundred or something, I'd be like, mm, but oh, another, then an extra, I would definitely say an extra hundred over over the no, not even I a question. Rationalize anybody ever buying a PlayStation? Like 4 just buy one less game and jump in like i mean no question it's like okay so everyone wants to look at that's the, a pretty decent it's not maybe it's not as powerful as a lot of people were hoping it would be expecting it would be especially compared to what the scorpio is teasing but like that's a pretty good but piece of hardware for 400 bucks it's not frankly. even that underpowered compared to scorpio like this is at 4.2 teraflops which who even knows what the hell that means and then the scorpio it's announced specs right now are six teraflops so mm -hmm. it's not like it's like crazy more powerful not an exponential difference although it has again, the same amount of ram in it I, and worse ram scorpio has worse ram and the same amount i think scorpio specs might change to go up you mean yes to make it more i of think a i think microsoft might beef it up a bit now that they've because i think microsoft's got to make a play here uh this is their shot yeah this is this is the only time during this if you even want to call it a still a generation where uh, you know, the, the, the board's going to shuffle a little bit. And I think it's pretty likely Sony's going to end up back on top again when, when the dust settles. But Microsoft has an opening, and they should take it. I think they're going to really try to blow the doors off this system if they can. Here's for a what reasonable I'll say. price. That's the, that's the big question. Just watching gameplay footage with my own two eyeballs, it looks way better. Oh, yeah. Way better. Oh, yeah. Anyone saying that they can't see a difference, you need to go to the, to the eye oh, doctor. Yeah. Dude. I mean, there was, you know, there's all the comparison, comparison, you know, a lot of the Rise of the Tomb Raider stuff, because I think that was the one they showed the best screenshots of, and so, where they're trying to compare, like, you know, the, the, the pro mode thing to, uh, to the, you know, to the, the PC version with, like, Ultra, you know, everything turned up to Ultra and everything, and, like, everyone's like, oh, this is, and I'm, I'm looking at I'm like, I have no, I mean, like, there's, like, a specular highlight difference in her <laughs> eye, and, like, maybe her finger has a little bit of a jaggy on it where it's not on the PC, and, the, you know, the depth of field is better on the PC, but that's to be expected because that's a very expensive feature, and it's just like, Dude, for something you pay 400 bucks for and hook up to your fucking TV, that thing looks amazing. I mean, here's the crazy part about it is... All and, I'm, and I, of all the people that should be a PC snob about this, it's me, because I can run all that shit right, like that. Right. But I think the PlayStation 4 Pro stuff looks good. Looks well, it's really like good. All this footage, the footage we run in Game Face is at 720p, because we stream at 720p. Right. There's no reason for That's us to... That's a Twitch to... limitation, right? Right. Yeah. There's no reason for us to use footage as 1080p, because it's all going to get smashed down anyway. So... All this 4K stuff that we've been showing so far for this segment has been from the PlayStation Pro. And you can see the difference. Like, this is the best-looking footage for a console we've ever run on Game Face. And this is at 720p. Like, even at that small resolution, you can see the difference. Mm -hmm. And look, a big part of it, I think, really is the <laughs> HDR. Like, the color saturation. Yeah, the HDR is key. That, that's the thing is, like, if your TV doesn't support that, it might not be as worth it. Which uh, mine actually which, doesn't. Yeah, I mine have, does not either. Which sucks, yeah. I will admit. Like, <laughs> I wish when I had bought my plasma like three years ago or whatever, I had 
look to see if it did HDR, which it didn't. I maybe, it just wasn't. I mean, that was five years ago I bought this thing. No, I haven't just, had mine that long, but... I mean, it's a plasma, and that's primarily why I bought it, because I just kind of, yeah. kind of preferential to plasma. But I wish my TV had HDR, because you could see in the presentation when they were doing, like, turn it on, turn it off, huge difference. Oh, yeah. And also, every PlayStation 4 next week is going to get a firmware update that will actually... So HDR works on the base PlayStation 4. Mm. Um, so there, that's one caveat I would say is, yeah, you know, people who have the base PlayStation 4 are also getting a fairly significant visual boost yeah. for nothing, which may, maybe closes the gap between the Pro and the mm. Slim a little bit. But to me... We're going to need to see, I think, really what these Pro modes look like. You know, and I know, like, Tomb Raider probably we have the most information on. There's, like, there's the... The upgraded mode, 60 frames a second, and then there's one where you can add more graphical detail that drops it to 30 frames a second. Basically, like it's like PC, you know, settings almost. Right. For you know, PC settings for dummies, I guess yeah. is kind of what they're doing here. Um, you and know, it we, adjusts for your panel. Yeah. It knows whether you have a 4K panel or 1080p, and it'll scale the image based upon that and and apply. I don't even know what wizardry they're they're using yeah. to make I mean, it work, but sh- and you know there will be people that are kind of like, oh, it's using tricks to get this effect rather than actually genuinely performing the effect the way a PC would. But it's like, how many people really care? Right. But you know, if it looks like it, then that's all you really need it to do, right? Um, but I think we need to see a little more about what some of these other games are going to support, what Call of Duty is going to look like. What Call of Duty's performance well, they is going to be like? They yeah, showed. yeah. But I mean, like hands-on. Like I mean, you need right. to see the digital foundry video, basically. Um, but so far, I think it looks pretty solid. Uh, I think the real question, and the people are asking this, to be fair, is kind of like, well, how future-proof is this thing? But I think that's the whole the idea behind this, is, though, is that they're future-proofing their market share, basically. Right, until, until something else becomes the new hotness in terms of video production. And look, Microsoft can launch Scorpio next year, and it can maybe... It'll be to a place where people, like the average person, will look at it and say, "Yeah, I can see the difference between Scorpio and PlayStation right. 4 Pro." But I honestly doubt it. For, but for but starters. you know what you can't do between those two systems? Compare Uncharted 4. Right, and that, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Is it like at the end of you still have Sony's life? A year from now, you still are going to be playing, choosing to play either Microsoft's games or Sony's games. Mm-hmm. And look. None of these publishers are going to change their minds in the next year because Scorpio is coming out and say, oh, that game we were going to make just for PlayStation 4, now all of a sudden we're going to make it just for Xbox Scorpio. Yeah. It's, it's just simply not going to happen. Like People always forget that hardware is irrelevant without software. And Sony is, has and is going to have the software. And in all honesty, next year it's probably going to be the best year ever mm-hmm. for PlayStation 4 software. And so... I don't know. I mean, to me, Microsoft coming out a year later with a console that is marginally more powerful than the PlayStation 4 Pro, it's... I'd agree with you. If they're smart, they will bump up the specs because I really don't think that the average person... And the average person is a person who is still left to buy a console, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like, the hardcore, we've all bought consoles. It's the casual folks who are left to decide what they want to buy. Like my buddy who just bought the 1S. He's a casual guy. He likes baseball games, and he'll maybe buy a fighting game. And when he, he likes gr- baseball games, but he didn't buy the PlayStation. No, he has had a PlayStation up until now. Oh, okay. Like he has always had a PlayStation system because he loves MLB the Show. Mm-hmm. And he I've, he didn't even ask, is there a baseball game on <laughs> Xbox? Which there isn't. Nope. There's no real baseball game. Yeah, not an MLB one. Yeah, right. So I honestly think 
I'm impressed with PlayStation 4 Pro. Like, I think it, for what you're getting, it's an amazing deal. I think they did a good job finding the middle ground between the specs to make it reasonably priced, but still a big enough step up mm -hmm. so that the average person can see the difference. And as Jeremy Parrish said, it now has an extra slot for spiders to hide in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I also love the fact that Sony hasn't forgotten its original consumer base and that it's worked mm. on this way to get HDR to work on the base systems. Like... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how they're supporting the PlayStation 4 in the wake of yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, it, you know, it really doesn't feel, at least not yet, it doesn't feel like they're... You know, I know people have started to call the, the regular, the base PlayStation 4 PlayStation Poor. Right. Um, <laughs> which is an unfortunate side effect of Pro, right, I think. Yeah. Uh, just like how Microsoft apparently did not see X-Bone coming. Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you don't see that coming, yeah. but from what I have been told, they did not... No one ever made that joke right. internally before. But um, the uh, it really doesn't never feel underestimate like... the creativity no, of fanboys. Never. <laughs> I got a good G four story about that, but I won't tell it. But yeah. Um, but they uh, like it doesn't feel like they're kind of leaving it behind, you know. Yeah. And that's kind of the worry you always. It's like, oh, are well, you going to end up in this? You know, like we've mentioned before, the Hyrule Warriors situation with the 3ds, where it's like if you have the old 3ds, you can't really play it. Yeah. It's not very functional. Yeah. But yeah, it, it won't runs. crash. But it... yeah, it runs. Okay. <laughs> It runs, but it doesn't really play, right. does it? Yeah. So it doesn't look like they're going to be doing that, at least not initially. Eventually, you're going to hit that point where they have to leave that old hardware behind, probably when they're starting to move into the next new hardware. Well, then you start talking about PlayStation VR and how it's going to help with yeah. PlayStation VR. Uh, several developers have come out in the last couple of days saying that their games will, in fact, now run at a higher frame rate and a higher mm -hmm. resolution. Uh, today, Jonathan Blow said The Witness will yeah. uh, run at 90 frames a second on the PlayStation 4 Pro. And we'll display it full, true 1080p at the very least. You know, so mm -hmm. it's good. Not the most demanding game in the world. It's really. not. It looks like the engine for that game though is a little under uh, optimized, though. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> for as simple as that game is, it does not run great. It's so. uh, it's 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 testy. Yeah, I think they say. I honestly, you know, and it, look, it's not just like consumers who have been up in arms for the last couple of days. Like a lot of journalists have been going after this thing. Like. I really don't get it. Like I am. I wonder if there was kind of more of an expectation of it being a new system almost, rather than like an um, an incremental upgrade. You know. I mean, this, no, is, this is not the, the PlayStation. Were out there. Right, but it's not the PlayStation Five. It's the iPhone 6S, basically. Right. You know, and so it really it feels like the PlayStation Four equivalent of the iPhone 6S. You yeah. know, it's it, it, you know better performance, a little more expensive, looks a little different. Yeah. There you go. You know, it says something different on the side. Like there, you know. You'll get the performance. You're not going to pay a fortune for the extra performance, you know. But that's what it is. You know, it is what it is. Not to, not to be cliched, but it's like that's pretty much what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to sell or trade in my base model PlayStation 4, get probably 250 to 300 bucks for it, spend 100 to 150 bucks to upgrade to the mm. Pro. Like, well, I'm going to uh, trans do the transfer thing first. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm well, yeah, I'm not going to lose all my stuff. No, I'm keeping PT. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I'll probably just hand off the PlayStation 4 to somebody or something. I, I think it's uh, fine. If only just for PlayStation VR. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, just well, on also that like, base level. Look, man, uh, anything that makes Horizon Zero Dawn look better, 
men. And that's what I'm. That's another point I want to bring up is that like games that are already in development look like, so much yeah. better. Knowing Everyone's, what they're gonna be working with, clearly they've been built with that in mind. Well, yeah. even Gorilla was like, no, it's not native 4K. We're totally like upscaling it. And they have some crazy kind of algorithm thing mm-hmm. that's going on with the Pro that it's not just generic upscaling. They're doing a bunch of tricks to make it look better. But they fully admitted it's not native 4K. I don't give a crap. <laughs> that footage that they showed of Horizon Zero Dawn in 4K mm-hmm. was mind-blowing. The To me, the game looked completely different. Like, I never even noticed how stylized the visuals are in this game. Like, it has, like, this crazy, like, color saturation to it that almost makes it look a little bit, like, cartoony. Mm-hmm. And watching it before, I never got that from it. And watching this footage, it looked completely different. Like, the armor plates on some of the walking creatures looked completely different to me, watching it in this footage. And again, not native 4K. So, eventually, there are going to be native 4K games released for this. And oh my gosh, what are they going to look like? Yeah. I mean, these are the, this is the first round of stuff. I mean, even and this today, is what, I mean, this out. is what I'm in for. Is like, you know, it's, it's yeah, maybe this could look better if it was on a really powerful PC, but it's not, and it's yeah. never going to. And be. it's never going to be. So this is, you know, this is your question of like, yeah, like, look, that that looks very like, like creepily more organic almost in terms of the way the plates are laid out and the and the kind of the dusky color. It's a detail and everything, the color saturation. It to me, it is a huge difference. I don't know why I'm seeing things that apparently other people aren't seeing. Like, and the light, just, have I and lost the lighting my mind? in. Look at the lighting in the shade. Oh yeah, like look that. at the like shadows. I mean, yeah, <sighs> it's, it's it's very. I, it's a hundred dollars. It's a hundred bucks. It's a hundred dollars. People are acting like it's an extra thousand bucks. That like, looks. It just. It really does look way better than what they've shown before. Like we put up a poll today on Sifted, and a lot of people were like, "I'm not buying it at all. I'm happy with my own PlayStation 4." I'm like, man, to get this boost in performance, like, and not lose anything for a hundred dollars, it's like, you may be saying that now, but two years from now, I think they'll have a change of heart. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And then it'll be cheaper. So. Maybe some people are... I mean, if you're willing to trade in uh, your your existing PlayStation 4, I think it could be a pretty good deal. A really good deal. I mean, and if you're buying a PlayStation 4 for the first time, which there aren't that many people left to still buy one as well as it's done, but to me, if anybody asks me, hey, I want to buy a PlayStation 4, which do I buy? Put the $100 down Mm. and get the Pro. Like, I would never recommend buying the Slim. I just wouldn't. I just... I don't know. Maybe part of it is when I first bought my PlayStation 4, it was 400 bucks anyway. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just, I wouldn't, I mean, I get that, like, you want the, the bargain model, but, like, I feel like the Slim's going to drop in price substantially, even, like, a, even like a, within a year. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, but right now, you want someone who doesn't have a PlayStation 4 to really be looking at that thing and be like, well, for 100 bucks more, I get this better thing. And I think that's the strategy. Because I, I, you know, some people have been complaining that the Slim is very expensive compared to, like, where how it used to be where yeah, yeah where sony be half price yeah, like of... three years in you used to basically sony systems would be about half what they cost at launch right. and um you know partly that's inflation but also it's like i don't think they really want you to buy the slim right now i yeah. think they want you to, to jump in on the pro if you if you're even you know wait and save an extra hundred bucks another week or two and there you, you know jump no in. optical audio out on the slim that's weird that is so dirty Real dirt. Why PlayStation did 2 did they that. Do that? Like, I have no idea. But it's on the Pro. Oh, yeah. Of course it's on the Pro. <laughs> Only professionals care about digital audio, kids. Yeah. That's, uh... So, based upon what we know, do you see this in any way affecting 
Sony's place in the marketplace in a negative way. Do you think there's any way that some people would be like, I'm going to wait for a Scorpio and not buy the Pro? Probably not. I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's it's hard to guess because we've never really seen anything like this in consoles before. So, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll be just completely roundly rejected by the you know by you know maybe not enough of us are interested that much. Maybe too many people are going to wait for Horizon. You know, I think maybe February you'll see a spike if they're available at retail at that point. Right. Um, but my you know my instinct and experience says that the pre-order allocation for November will probably sell out. Yeah. And uh, it'll be it'll be a hot thing coming into Black Friday, and uh, stores will bundle it with a PSVR and a second or third shipments of those, and it'll all kind of work out the way Sony thinks it's going to work out. I'm curious as to whether uh, you know VR will have its momentum carry through the holidays. Right. Um, but I think this system is going to be just fine. Well, then even some games I didn't even think about. Well, first of all, the, like it was announced today, Titanfall Two will, yeah. is going to be compatible with it. Uh, Steep and Ghost Recon Wildlands compatible mm. with it, and then they put out Wildlands going to look great on that. I'm thing. sure. And then Bethesda today put out a trailer for the Elder Scrolls Online in hmm. 4K, and I was like, "Holy crap, that game looks amazing!" Yeah, now. I guess that makes sense because you already have the PC settings. Yeah, there. I'm curious. Like, okay, so you're hitting going to hit a point where like you're you're still because of the lack of Ultra HD optical player. You're going to hit a point where I think a lot of these games in their 4K or whatever, you know, pro mode, whatever, are going to be more than a Blu-ray can hold. So I wonder if you're going to be dealing with downloading 4K texture packs Might be. That's a good point, actually. Um, which might be a, a consideration or a problem for people who have a bandwidth caps or a limited... You know what we forgot to bring speed. up? You, you, you actually brought it up organically, is the PlayStation Pro has a one terabyte hard drive. Oh, right, right, So right. you start thinking about yeah. that. That $100 all of a sudden is like, Really? You're yeah. getting another 500 gigs of storage space, as well mm-hmm. as the improvements to the performance mm-hmm. of the system. And I have to think that no it has that because those games are going to take up a you lot mean, of space. Which is why it led yeah. my mind yeah. to think, oh, that's right, the hard drive by default mm-hmm. is, is a terabyte. Because I, I have a two terabyte drive in my PlayStation 4 right now, which I would probably try to just swap over. Yeah. Um, I would do the transfer thing where you pull everything off it to transfer the, the Pro... Uh, that I think is in the new PlayStation 4 update coming, yeah. and then just pull the hard. If if you if it uses the same hard drive, I don't know if it uses the same kind of hard drive. Um, but I two terabytes is a, is about right. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, I generally I, you don't need. I mean, much one more terabyte than is great. Like you know, yeah. that's a, at least that's a respectable amount of. Five hundred is not enough, by the way. No, not at all. Uh, although again, having bought a Wii U about a year ago, I'm like thirty two gigs, <laughs> thirty two freaking gigs. People, it's so like, crazy. You... Really is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> So, to, to cap it off, are you going to buy a PlayStation 4 Pro? Yes. Did you order one yet? Not yet. Because they are on pre-order already. Oh, they yeah, they went on pre-order yesterday. Um, I don't know if I'll get one in November, but I will get one before Horizon comes out, for sure. There you go. I am buying one 100%. Um, I'm already trying to figure out what, how I'm going to transfer off everything off my mm-hmm. PlayStation 4. They said, yeah, all you have to need is an Ethernet cable to do it, mm-hmm. which is good. So, uh, so is... That, that raises an interesting question, though, in terms of trade-in stuff, because 
clearly I cannot trade my PlayStation 4 in before I get my Pro because I right. need to transfer stuff. Right. So, again, a lot of times GameStop or whatever no, runs, that, right. runs that deal. It's like, oh, trade it in when you buy this thing and it'll give you a better deal and better you know, trade-in value. But I can't trade it in yet because i got to transfer my stuff. Yeah. That's why I'm just going to sell mine on Craigslist or eBay or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll wait until I get my transfer done and then I'll sell it. Yeah, I'll probably... I will either do that or I will like find someone who wants one, one of my friends who wants one and give it to them for cheap or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Somewhere I am there. excited for the PlayStation 4 Pro. I, I don't. Maybe I'm on an island here. I'm an anomaly, but uh, I am excited no, I'm, for I, it. Yeah. I think it's worth every penny. I think it's, it's definitely worth uh, you know, considering the money you can get if you already have PlayStation 4, the trade-in money for or sales money for whatever. However, you get rid of your system, uh, or if you haven't don't have one at all yet, like no question. I mean, I paid that much for the PlayStation 4 vanilla. I know. Like, That's so, what I'm saying. No problem. I'm totally cool with it. So, let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about a game we waited a whole long time to finally see in action. Pretty much all we had got were just, like, cinematic things cut together from from scenes where really nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. A lot of concept art. Yeah, a lot of concept art. A lot of developers talking about how amazing it was going to be, the pedigree of the of the story, of the epic, of the scale, of the story, of the galaxy, of the world, of the immersion. Yeah, we're actually seeing all this crap right now that they've <laughs> used to promote this game for the last, like, two years. This is exactly what we're talking Everyone's about. Good job, up. Sam. I <laughs> He pulled that one right out of his out of his butt, but this is exactly yeah. what we're talking about. Like, this Everyone's is what holding up their watch going, like, comes out in six months, yeah. you said. <laughs> Can we see, please, the audience? Can we see? So finally, and probably the last place I ever would have guessed that we'd get the first look at Mass Effect Andromeda. Especially they with show, EA's like relationship with Microsoft. It makes this no sense whatsoever. They actually, it kind of leaked out the day of the event. Like yeah. there's things making it around. It sort of makes sense in the sense that like that's the best that game's going to look if you're going to premiere it. Yeah. So, it's just not going to look any better. No. It's not like Scorpio is at a place where you can yeah, premiere Scorpio. Scorpio's going to be too late for that. So. Yeah. Here's here's where you yeah if you're gonna debut it somewhere where it's gonna be like wow like because that game I mean even as someone who's very skeptical of you know as a huge Mass Effect fan someone who's very skeptical of whether they can repeat that success uh, that game looks nice okay so here's my here's what I would say it does look nice does it look like a Mass Effect game to you eh. I mean I mean the way that the way the character moves looks like a Mass Effect yeah. game I don't know if Animation. I mean that as a compliment. But, yeah. like, um, I don't know. Like, for a second there, I'm like, I w- when I, at the, right, what we just saw before this, I'm like, oh, my God, scanning plant life? The No Man's Sky haters are going to, like, lose their minds. Yeah, yeah. And, like, Mass Effect <laughs> has become about scanning indigenous life forms. Well, then um, I hate this part of the demo right here where they're like, oh, there's bad guys. Run away from the bad guys. It's like, no, don't run from the don't bad guys. Run from the bad guys. guys. Show me how it works. Yeah, I want to fight the bad guys. Like, stay away from them. They won't bother you. I'm like, well, then go after them. Let's see what happens. It was very weird that they did not show any actual combat gameplay. Uh, I mean, I assume it's pretty similar. I mean, one, I assume the game's really far along at this point. Like, they should have a lot to show. But you can also, you can still see kind of the Bioware structure here. You know, like the the planet is not something you can go around and explore. It's sort of a, a design series of hallways that you will wander down, and then when you get to the end, you will press a button, and everybody will talk for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and while, you know, and I love the Bioware games. I love Mass Effect, but like outside of the visuals, I'm not seeing anything that's blowing my mind here. It just doesn't feel like. I mean, you say it. It follows that template, but it just this game. Does not this game could have been anything is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. If they had taken like the logos off his armor, 
Someone could have well, told me this was any game. Well, that's and I'd have I, been like, yeah, okay. That's what I've said for a long time. Like, you didn't need to call this Mass Effect. Mass Effect is the story of Shepard to well, me. Well, if they want to sell it, they need well, to call it. They want to sell it, exactly. Effect. It's it's just, it's just, you know, this is sell it by default because everybody, you know, people love Mass Effect. And also, did you notice all the weird little, like, glitchy, yeah. like, you know, scan line things happen in there? I, I noticed they were, I don't know what that was about, if it was like a capture so, problem. Or... So, also, these two are siblings, they're brother and sister. Yeah. And apparently the one guy who is shown in the armor in the initial trailers is their father. Mm. So, and, and if you choose to play as female, the male sibling will go off and mm-hmm. do his own thing and you'll reconnect with him throughout the story mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yeah, you both ex- they both exist in, in the, the story. In that world, yeah, yeah and, and are out doing stuff in that world. That's a very clever way to avoid the whole which version of Shepard is canon problem. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, Bioware, no one ever said Bioware was stupid. No, no, no. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> but I would say, Matt, I'm a little disappointed seeing this game. Like, I agree, it looks great, especially mm-hmm. running in 4K. But I just feel like after all this anticipation and all this wait, first of all, there's no fanfare for it at all. Like, one of the guys from Bioware tweeted something a little cryptic, which kind of tipped people off that there might be something. But there was no build-up, like, you're going to see Mass Effect, like, for the first time. Like, there was none of that. And then I see it, and I'm like, that was Mass Effect? Like, mm-hmm. like I said, I feel like it could have been any game. And they said, oh, this is some game from some studio you never heard of. And I'd be like, okay. Like, mm-hmm. it, that's an awesome-looking PC game. <laughs> like, yeah. I cool, the Technomancer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I never would have dreamed it was Mass Effect if it weren't for seeing like the logos on the armor and. and I like would have. I think I would have. Like been, the been, platforming with the jump. The jets platforming and the jumping is weird. I would have probably guessed some Mass Effect just by the weird stiff way the guy runs. Yeah. yeah. Um, because something about that is very. That's just how Bioware's main characters move. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it looks like they're making a really pretty version of Mass Effect. Um. And I guess we'll see if the game is any interesting when it happens. I, I just, I think it's amazing to me that this game could be like six months or less out, and that's all we know about and it. And this is what they show for the first time. Like, I feel like it would have been way smarter for them to just cut together like a really kick-ass 4K trailer mm-hmm. from footage running on PlayStation Pro, all 4K footage or whatever mm-hmm. resolution they're they're running it at on PlayStation 4 Pro. And just cut together like a great like action trailer with combat and story sequences and like the whole shebang. Like give us what we've been waiting for. Instead, we get this weird like walking simulator. Yeah. I mean, isn't that really what, what makes, we see here? What it makes me wonder, like, is it like do they want to blow that kind of stuff out at their own event or like like do they not? I'm wanna, sure. Like, like what's happening here? Like, and of course the the cutscene at the end of this this demo like. It's hard to kind of get a gauge on how what the scale of this game is. Like, it really implies that there's a lot of places to go, a lot of planets to see, uh, you know, very wide breadth of stuff to do. But, like, then you wonder... Like, we've seen this before in the Mass Effects where it's like, well, actually, it's like five planets and you can only go to one specific place and it's like a ten-minute mission. Like, what is this? Like, what yeah. are they doing? What's there's different? no context What's the really Yeah, we don't it. know yeah. anything more other than, like, well, it's gonna, it looks like it's going to control pretty similarly yeah. outside of the jumping. And Which just looks completely. It's like I'm curious how much I of hate that... any game that like has jumping but doesn't actually let you jump yourself. And it's like just walk up to this like context yeah, it looks like sensitive auto area, yeah. yeah. And you push a button and he automatically climbs up or whatever. Like that seems a little odd to me. But my by the point I'm trying to make is it's the old adage of you only get one chance to make a first impression. And this is like everyone's big first impression really of this game, and it just seems a bit 
not even a bit, like a good bit, underwhelming to me. I'm definitely disappointed in this debut. I expected more. It doesn't look terrible or I think anything. This, this is pretty much exactly what I expected. Really? Well, you may remember I'm, I have not been entire, entirely bullish no, you're right. on this yeah, game. Yeah, you um, have been sort of uh, apprehensive about it. And uh, this is pretty much what I thought we were going to get. It looks a little better than I was expecting. Technically, it looks great, yeah. yeah. Um, but in terms of, like, what the... I don't know what that is. Yeah, that, that like, whole, weird like, skip skid thing. skip thing. I'm like, and then, like, that it's weird, like, like, straight, like swing... Straight the, out of a Hanna-Barbera weird, like, cartoon. swing the crotch over the, yeah. over the camera and then turn and shoot. I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what that camera choice is like there. like Madcap Bioware. I guess. It's like, I guess she... Is she, like, the... Is she like the um, the comedy option character? Maybe they're just getting or? ready for like the inevitable like cartoon or whatever that's yeah. released for it. Because you know, with Final Fantasy yeah. 15, now you need to release like an anime and a CG movie. The, inevi- and a the inevitable uh, Guardians of the Galaxy crossover film, right? Yeah. So yeah, I guess I would say I'm pretty disappointed. You sound like you got exactly what you thought yeah. you were gonna get. But I was already pre-disappointed, so yeah. <laughs> probably pretty much. I think we're we're pretty much on the same page as from different directions. Right. It just took me a while to get there, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, it's not like I'm not going to play it, yeah. but like... People on Sifted were really excited, by the way, by I this. mean, They were oh, like yeah. all over it. They're like, oh my god, it's like better than I ever th- I thought it was going to be. I mean, it definitely looks way better than I was expecting. I mean, it looks beautiful. BioWare's yeah. games do not normally blow you away graphically, yeah. I would say, even when they're pretty good looking. Yeah. Um... But that game that was like, was like, whoa, yeah. But again, my, my, I'm, you know, whether it's fair to Mass Effect Andromeda or not, my attitude right now is still hmm. proceed. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like dance for me. Yeah, game like like show me why I I should like you. Well, yeah. I was thinking the same thing when I started showing this. I'm like, oh, here we go, here we go. And it says it went on longer and longer. I was like, no, like, no, four years, no. huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Four years. Obviously, we're not saying that the game's not going to be good. No. Bioware has an excellent pedigree. I mean, I can remember the last even mediocre game Bioware release. So, I mean, uh, you know, if, if you give me that feeling I used to have in the old Mass Effects, where like I, you know, I've got my own ship and I got my crew and I got all these side quests to do and I've got all this galaxy map to explore, I'll probably be pretty happy. Yeah. But I'm gonna wish I I was there with Shepard. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also going to wonder, like, how did all you people get into another galaxy? I don't know. You, you know that galaxies are really far apart, right? Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I know you have the magic dark matter, Mass Effect zoom, technology and stuff, but like, wow, it's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of like the old, you know, races from the old galaxy decided to migrate. Apparently, I, I, I don't know played, what the setting they is. They just here all played yet. No Man's Sky. Yeah, <laughs> that's how they got there. Went through a bunch of black holes, <laughs> created their own galaxy at the end, cashed yeah. in those Atlas stones, and here we go. Yep. All right, so let's move on to the next topic. So we're coming down to it. I think summer lasts another week or two weeks before it's officially fall. Um, yeah, like September 21st. Yeah. Uh, we are now, though. I mean, we're already in pumpkin spice territory yeah. here. But <laughs> that's how you really know it's fall. Then you drive by Starbucks and you see the signage for the pumpkin spice. Signage for pumpkin spice, all the women with Ugg boots. Right. Like, wait, you know. It's like it's 80 degrees out and you're wearing a scarf. What's going on? Yeah. But, we're, but look, we are pretty much into the fall release schedule. Games are coming out pretty mm. regularly now. You have Madden last week. You got NHL this week. You got Deus Ex last week. Yeah, Madden's kind of where, you know, when Madden comes out and then, like, you know, Labor Day barbecues and then, you know, first first week of NFL real game, you know, non-preseason yeah. games. Like, that's when you're like, okay, fall's it. Yes, it's 98 degrees out and we went swimming yesterday, but it's yeah. Los Angeles. It's still fall. It's yeah. fall now. So... As we all know... I can watch NFL games and look at people be cold. 
That's, right. That's, that's, that's how you know it's fall. Um, as we all know, a lot of really huge games are supposed to come out now or soon have been moved into the first quarter or second quarter of next year. There's a list of like six of them that we all thought were coming out mm. at this point, and they're not, which leaves Q4 a little bit barren. And so I challenge both myself and Matt, if we were only able to buy one game for the rest of the year, what would that game be? So Matt, first of all, before you tell us what the game is, what was kind of uh, your logic behind deciding? Uh, in this case, it was uh, the thing that I was going. To, I was expecting to have the most fun with and the most um, novel experience. Okay. So my my pick is Star Trek Bridge Crew. There's no surprise there. Matt's um, best game of E3. Game of E3, and it's just like I know I'm going to have fun with that game when it's in my hands. I don't know how long I'm going to have. You know, might just get. You know, maybe the missions. There's like five missions, and you play through them all, and you're done in right. a day. I mean, yeah. that's entirely possible. It is. Probably likely um, as yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, it's, you know, it's just I know that's what I want to play, and I'm kind of on a Star Trek high right now because that 50th anniversary being this year, and Star there's a whole Trek stuff Online going, going on right on now. Uh, you know, there's the, all the marathons happening right now. All the, A lot of sites are putting up all their 50th anniversary content. Uh, I bought the original crew movies on Blu-ray for super cheap. I'm going to watch some of those soon. Like, it's... It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not as big a Star Trek fan as I am of, like, you know, Star Wars or some other stuff, yeah, but, I always, but I always liked it. You know, I'm not, I can't tell you what episode everything I happened in. I always respected it. But, I, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different thing. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, you know it's, it's sci-fi with that kind of utopian ideal that, like, sort of the most positive and optimistic sci-fi has, and it does it pretty... When, it, when it's firing on all cylinders, Star Trek is great. Yeah. When it's not, it's not it's laughable it's, it's really bad <laughs> and uh, they've had a they've had a long streak of really bad since pretty much deep space 9 yeah. and it, i would say uh, uh, enterprise had its moments a couple times but like it's been rough it's been a hard hard couple decades, decades for, yeah. for a star trek <laughs> fan at this point um, uh, but there's bright spots here and there and i think star trek online is way better than it has any right to be um, it's it's pretty fun and full of weird little nods to the lore, and um, you know it's it, it's uh, it's a good time to be a Star Trek fan, and this is a way to experience it in a way that you haven't before, unless you played Bridge Commander. But this is actually better than Bridge Commander, so um, yeah, that would be my pick. If I can, if I'm I surprised have to by your pick, by the way. Yeah, what did you think I was going to pick? It wasn't even that I thought there was, there was some other game that I thought you were going to pick. I just. So, from my from my perspective, how the logic that I went through when I was picking this was, like, what games are coming out for the rest of the year that, like, if I never played them, I would have, like, a hole in my soul, mm. I guess is the best way to put it. And so, I feel like, with a game like Bridge Crew, I'm guessing there will be other games that come along that will be similar to that, cooperative, mm -hmm. sci-fi games for VR. They ain't gonna be on a on a bridge. Of no, a, no, and I get it. No, I Federation see, Starship. I totally understand the appeal of it, and I can see why why you chose it. But from my perspective, the way I chose my game was like, what's the one game that is going to offer an experience that I'm probably not going to get anywhere else until maybe that same development studio makes another game. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that game is The Last Guardian. I have been waiting, I feel like, my entire adult life to play this game. 
And I feel like if I chose... You have not surprised many people. Oh, really? (laughs) Everybody thought I was going to pick There were a couple of calls there. All right, there it is. Shane's picking the last guardian. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, I just... Like, I look at all the games that are coming out in the rest of this year, and in all honesty, there's not a lot of them. Like, no, it's, it's, it's sparser it's than you might expect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not into first-person shooters, there's not a lot going on for and the rest look, of the year. Those were the games that I was making the tough decisions on, and I was like, look, if I don't play Titanfall 2... This is where you're really starting to feel the, your picks for uh, the fantasy draft not making it this right. year. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Beyond just your... You're losing, Person, right? Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's like we're all losing to some yeah. degree because we don't get to play Horizon and Persona and these, bunch these games us. that are not just first-person shooters, right? And and so I looked at like Titanfall two, and I was like, I'm really excited to play that game, but there's going to be a Titanfall three probably in a year mm-hmm. and a half. I was looking at Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. I'm like, the game looks awesome, but mm-hmm. I know there's going to be another Call of Duty next year. When are we going to get another game like The Last Guardian? Will we? If it tanks, will we ever get another one? Well, if the pattern holds, uh, 2027. Yeah, exactly. And I, so I was also looking through the lens of, you know, any game, if I chose this one game, I could never, ever play the other ones mm. from this year. And so if there was one game where if this year came to a close and I didn't play it and someone said, you'll never play it now, Last Guardian was my pick. Mm. So... We had to make some hard decisions on this one. This is not an easy thing to pick, even with a thin Q4, in all honesty. And so we are going to both give one honorable mention. Um, And so, Matt, what was the other game that you were waffling really hard on? Well, the other one was The Last Guardian. There you go. Because uh, (laughs) basically out of pure curiosity, I mean, you got to know what that is, and there's going to be a big conversation, and probably a big argument, because there's no way that game's living up to what a lot of people think it should be after all this time and all this re-announcing and all this hype. So I think there's gonna, you know, I think you're gonna have maybe not quite as like high pitched as No Man's Sky. That was my question to like, you. I was gonna ask you. So which one do you think will end up disappointing people more? No Man's Sky. I think Sky No Man's or, Sky. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Um, like I, this game I, is going to disappoint people. Yeah, a I, lot of I people. feel. I think so, and I think there's more skepticism surrounding because it it's been so long. It's because it's not like you know No Man's Sky. While it was several years, was more like. There was so little information, and no, you know, Team Eco is kind of a known quantity. Yeah. And so, like, if it does turn out to be like a five-hour-long game that's basically just Eco with a large partner, yeah. like, it's not going to totally shock me. Right. You know, like, I feel like most people are going, "Yeah, okay, that's okay." We, I hoped it was more than that, but that's kind of what they do. Yeah. So, like, it's sort of like not that amazing that that's what it turned out to be. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of like, oh. Well, there are a lot. That's what that, that's what it is. There are a lot less promises out there for the Last oh, Guardian yeah. than well, there were for No Man's they Sky. They haven't fucking said anything. Right. Like, like, they don't talk to anybody. Maybe that's a testament to like keeping your mouth shut a little bit. Though. Oh, Hello Games hasn't said a goddamn thing in like Since three weeks. I, you, I mean, you're never gonna hear those pe- from those people again. They go out. I'm sure they go out with the fake nose and mustache when they go out I, to eat lunch. Now, are you feel bad me? for those guys. I really do. Because uh, it might. But they've learned they, a very they hard a lesson. Game. They did. Yeah. And I. I suspect their next game will come out the day before it is announced. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, t- <laughs> they... That's good. They, I mean, they talked more about No Man's Sky in, what, three, three years? Then... Than they've talked about this game in, like, 11. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy to think about. I mean, that is one advantage I think Japanese developers have, is they are kind of shielded away from 
a lot of the press. Mm-hmm. It's like the press in Japan is really controlled. Yeah, it's like the fact that this was not there. It's not at E3. It's not at. It's like, well, what can we do? It's not yeah, like we can go. We can, we can go go find Team Eco. There's you know? no one to complain to because yeah. yeah, they never go anywhere. It's like they they'll never like if they go to E3, which I think they they actually were this year. At least the lead developer was. You don't see them walking around the show floor checking out games. Like mm. they roll in, they do whatever is on their schedule, and then they, they get, get out. The, they get the yeah. hell out. Which I wouldn't blame them. If I were them, I'd probably do the same damn thing. But yeah, this one I'd be. You know, Star Trek was because it was a, a super known quantity, and it's like the one I'm most looking forward to playing. You know, just knowing what it is and yeah. having had a good time playing it before. Uh, Last Guardian is the one that I'm most interested in, like, curiosity-wise, just in terms of, like, wow, what is this? What could it be? What is it going to be? Is it going to be interesting? And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, it was a distant third, but the other one would probably have been Final Fantasy XV, just because while I'm not really expecting that game to be any good, I really want to have the fights yeah. over it. It's, it's <laughs> like, Final Fantasy fights are the, are the best. Because so, everyone cares so much. Yeah, so my honorable mention, it's not Titanfall 2, and it's not... Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. In all honesty, I was right there with you with Final Fantasy XV. Like, I was, that was like right on the brink of being my honorable mention. And you guys will never guess what my honorable mention is. And it's a Dishonored 2. And for a lot of the same reasons that I chose The Last Guardian. Like, Hmm. I feel like this might be the last game in this series. That seems pretty likely. I mean, the first one sold well enough to warrant a sequel. I'm a little worried. I might have just seen The Last Deus Ex game. Yeah. That game's not selling too well it's either. It's not selling well at all. And, uh, you know, actually, Jim Sterling did a great docu- or documentary, a great editorial on that, talking about how the series has kind of lost its focus from what mm-hmm. it was originally launched as and how, you know, it still kind of has the soul or at least the base concepts of what Deus Ex started as, mm-hmm. but how Square Enix has kind of morphed it into this other beast. But I digress. I want to talk about Dishonored. Mm-hmm. So this game, you know, love it or hate it, it's a really drab and kind of dreary world that it's in but what you actually do while you're playing in this game you don't really do in any other games i mean the only other the only other game on the horizon that kind of reminds me of it a little bit is prey mm. like some of the stuff in there it seems like it maybe is a little bit inspired by dishonored but this is the granddaddy here and uh i'm really excited to play this game some of the stuff they've shown from this are just this whole, whole like dimensional thing here where you're looking through this thing that shows you like two different time periods like there aren't many games doing stuff like Dishonored, and I feel like there's, even if I may not love the whole of Dishonored 2 as much as some of the other games, ultimately, I feel like the moments that I will have playing Dishonored 2 are something that if I missed out on from this year and was never able to go back and play again, I would ultimately regret. Mm. And so, for me, Arcane's Dishonored 2 was my uh, honorable mention. And I'm not saying that like I think these two games are going to be the best games that come out this year, I don't want to hear it when we do our game evals. We're like, oh, this was your game. You didn't want to play without, didn't want to die without playing. No, I'm just saying that, like, as far as the intrigue is concerned and my interest is concerned and what I think both these games bring to the table, these are the two that I would have a really hard time getting out of 2016 without playing first. Hmm. So, and I'll be interested to hear everyone's picks. That's the fun part about doing these topics is that I always really like to see everyone else's picks in the comments and uh, on uh, the archives. So I'll be interested to see those. And see if people think we're crazy. And if people came up with better options as well. Although I think The Last Guardian is probably a pretty safe bet. Because there's just so much mystery around the game still. And here we are, what, about a month and a half, two months away from... Yeah. Wow. Can you believe that? No, not delayed yet. Not yet. I keep waiting every day to wake up and see. Oh, no, it's not going to make it. 
No. Just delay Gran Turismo Sport into God knows when. Yeah, well, everybody expected that. <laughs> well, was, oh. I mean, <laughs> we're, those are kind of on equal ground there. Gran Turismo and The Last Guardian, or Team Eco. I mean, so, both of those so teams what? delay a lot. So, uh, But Polyphony is Polyphony's the more, more mysterious one. Because it's like, at least with The Glass Guardian, you have the argument of like, well... They don't quite know what they're making. They need yeah. to, like, oh, this is different. They got to do. It's like you know, you're making up this world out of whole cloth, and you kind of have to figure out how you're going to approach it, and what it's going to be, and what you're going to be able to do. And Grant Chief was like, "Just make the cars go around the track, guys. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> We've done this before. And maybe you look at they, the number at the end of it. Jesus yeah, Christ, how long does it take? And maybe if I get a dent or two while they yeah. go around the track, that's just be an great. idea. Or maybe I don't know. Maybe have an interface that doesn't make me want to kill you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so bad. God, the, men, the the just the UI on those Gran Turismo games has just gone it's down so and down. So bland and, down. and just yeah. Bleh. And all I that, don't know who designs those things. I don't know, but also it's, like they need I, to fire that guy. Was, I hate was, to say it, I don't but I know if it was the last one or the one before the last one. But there was one that was just like, did you think this was being made for a touchscreen? Yeah. <laughs> and and just no one told you or like what? I don't I, just, I don't understand what's happening over there. Well, there's or, lots of games like that now where the menu is hold the button while the little. Yeah, loop fills up, and or I feel like, like that's uh, kind of influenced by mobile games. Somewhat, and... also like, or like uh, Smash Brothers on the Wii U. It's like, how is that? Gi- you know, giant panel buttons, and you can't touch them yeah, I know, on this one. What is that? <laughs> what are you doing? All right, let's move on. Now we're going to talk about PAX West. PAX West happened uh, this past weekend in Seattle. Seattle is the big dog, the biggest PAX mm-hmm. of them all. The one that started well, now it now it looks like they're calling it PAX West and not PAX Prime. Right. Yeah, well, because now they have North, South, East, and West. Right. and like. Well, for a while they're keeping it as Prime because that was the original one. It's like the yeah. main one. But now I guess they don't want anyone to feel that they're going to the lesser PAXs. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly so. what the whole <laughs> idea was behind it. They're like, we don't want to discourage people from going to the other ones by making it seem like they're mm-hmm. not as a big a deal or whatever. And truth be told... It makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it does make sense, one. And two... They're all kind of the same. They are all the same. Yeah, like, they're, they're really just one... as big as each other Yeah, now, none so. of them are really better than the others at yeah. this point. Maybe, well, depending on what kind of panels you may want to go to, those are different mm-hmm. with each one. But otherwise, like, as far as the, the show up from the publishers, they're all in yeah. on all of them. It's not like they only show up to the Seattle one, you only get to play the big games. Uh, typically, PAX is an event where you get to play a lot and see a lot of indie games. And usually the big games coming out of PAX are indie games. And we're going to go through kind of the games that stood out the most throughout the whole show. And oddly enough, most of them are not indies. So we talked about this last week on Game Face Freestyle, but Duke Nukem 3D, as it turns out, that is the game that's being remastered. Mm-hmm. I think Peter is the new Duke game. I think a lot of people are maybe a little disappointed with that. It's not a new Duke Nukem. It is, in fact, the remastered uh, Duke Nukem 3D. I would say use remaster really loosely with this one. Yeah, it's more like we guarantee this one will work <laughs> on Windows 10. That seems to be I nice. mean, it still looks like a really old game. Like, they have yeah. just basically done minimal amounts of work on this. I believe the game is being published by Gearbox, which is mm-hmm. interesting. It's it's definitely, lo- I mean, it looks better than running the original game now on, you know, modern, th- but basically, they're, yeah, they're just making it work on modern hardware. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they did a lot more work on the environments than they did on the characters. I'll say yeah. I don't know Although they did that are, intentionally to kind of keep I, it... Yeah, I think there's people that consider, like, kind of that weird, jaggy look is sort of part of the charm. Yeah. So uh, I can see sort of, you know, smoothing out the environments and keeping the characters pretty classic-looking. Although... You know, his arms look better than they did. Yeah. It's, you know, there's, there's, something, <laughs> there's some work going on See, there. See, in the frames of animation on the enemies, it's like when they turn, 
It's yeah. like there's just three frames to show, show them from the different perspective. It's so funny. I always remember like how long it took people to realize that like, oh, the, the corpses in Wolfenstein 3D are just, just the feet always face you. Like yeah. it took so long to notice that. Like <laughs> it, it, it was it, so many tricks. Probably the most pop, most reported on game though from yeah. PAX. For whatever reason, people seem to have resonated, and a lot of people were gushing all over, saying they loved it. So well, it's like maybe it's a little it's bit like of the Doom bleed over with a little the, bit of the, the Doom bleed over, kind of the serious Sam thing, where it's like you know people don't, they don't really make those games anymore. Circle strafers, yeah, where you just strafe it in a circle yeah. and fire like crazy. Uh, another game, Sonic Mania was debuted a couple weeks ago, playable at PAX. Uh, people are freaking out over this game. It is basically getting glowing reviews. The Sonic game that they should have mm -hmm. been making all along, blah, blah, blah. Uh, definitely a huge deal at the show. Lots of raw gameplay went up. Um, I'm still at a little bit of a loss to see why people are so excited over this game. Because the 3D versions have been useless, and this, like, kind of, you know, there was... Sort of this feeling of, um, uh, what, what was one of the Sega guys? So basically, like, one of their attitudes was, like, what if, what if Sega had made, like, a 2D Sonic platformer on the Saturn? Right. And what, what would it have looked yeah, like then? Yeah, that is pretty much what this and is. And that's pretty much what this is. I mean, you know, you, and, you know, it's running at 60. You can see that the animation is also at 60. Like, the rings are animated at yeah. 60. I mean, it's, it's, it's really pretty if you have the affinity for the old, you know, Sonic 1 and Sonic 2, really, because Sonic, it's using Sonic 1 and Sonic 2's, more Sonic 1's uh, art style. Yeah. Uh, which is good, because I hate Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles' art style. But, um... Well, I definitely love that, this Sonic look. Yeah. Of Sonic the character. Like, like he's like, a lot more yeah. edgy in this than he was, than he is now. Well, also, it's just, it's using sort of the Genesis palette in a weird way, and kind of extrapolating from that, so it... It's it's clearly something that couldn't have been done on the Genesis because of you know the, the visual fidelity, but it looks like it maybe could have been like it's yeah. they're really walking that tightrope well, and of course, I th I think people are just inclined to trust this kind of this kind of Sonic game more than another 3D attempt, you know. What was and we mentioned this on the show before, but I can't remember what we what what the final conclusion was. What was the Sonic game for the GBA? Like Sonic Advance, was it? Yeah. Well, there was Sonic. that was good. Like there were a bunch of them. One they put out for the the first one, where they actually went back to the roots. Yeah. For the GBA. That game I thought was great. Was it? I really enjoyed that. Sonic Rush. Maybe. Someone in the chat maybe knows. Yeah. I don't. Google. I know they did made like three of them, and like Cream the Rabbit came in at that yeah, point, yeah. and all that. Yeah. That, those were good. Yeah, I enjoyed those. But uh, I don't know. I feel like I may be a little bit burnt out on Sonic. I can understand why people. I haven't are played one in a while, so probably not, since, probably not since Generations. I skipped most of the 3D stuff. So yeah, I I'll, played I'll all play those it. 3D games. I had to review a lot of them at GT, and so inevitably I ended up playing them. And I'd, I'd enjoy parts of them. Did you play Sonic in the Black Knight? I did not. Did you play the one with the Werehog? I did. Yeah, mm. that was probably the worst. I didn't have to play 2006. I think. Uh, Ryan Stevens reviewed mm. that for us. Maybe it was Justin Spear. I can't remember. I didn't have to play that monstrosity. Like I, what about, um, I went to the back and watched them play it. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's all I need. What about um, uh, Shadow the Hedgehog? Yeah, well, I played that. Yeah. <laughs> it's really bad. They're all bad. Yeah. And, and that's part of the reason why I've lost interest, because the games have been bad for so long. And the other part of it, too, is like I've said on the show before, I'm just kind of burnt out on just 2D side-scrolling platformers, just from literally 30-plus years of playing that genre. So 
I'm glad everyone else is happy. Like I, I you know, I get joy when other people have joy, so I, I get that angle of it. Will I play mm. the game? Probably not. I'll play. I mean, as someone who thinks Sonic the Hedgehog peaked with Sonic One, uh, I will probably <laughs> I will probably play this game. All right, that's game we're going to talk about. And this game did totally change my perspective on it. Unlike Sonic, it sh- this sh- this game showing at PAX really did change my opinion. And it is uh, Paper Mario Color Splash. A game that was announced, one of the remain, last remaining Wii U games. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the only Wii U game worth even mentioning for Q4 this year. Um, what I saw of this game at PAX, huge chunks of gameplay that they put out for it. I am totally in love with this game. And before I, I looked at it, because I was not a big fan of the Wii Paper Mario. I didn't hate it as much as a lot of people did, but I felt like it was kind of getting off track. I feel like there's a lot of creativity in this game. I feel like it's, I can see already like the Nintendo the Nintendo sparkles all over it, the pixie dust that Nintendo puts on its games. Uh, I'm really excited for this game. And again, it is something that's pretty different. Like There's really no mm. other game that's coming out in Q4 that's anything like this game. Not that there's ever really been anything like the Paper Mario games right. other than Paper Mario. Even the Paper Mario games aren't like the Paper <laughs> yeah. Mario games anymore. <laughs> that's a good point. I do feel like this one looks like it's going to be a return to form. Again, I feel like the creativity in this game and some of the ideas in in the game design and the level design is really unique and clever. Uh, I'm excited for it. And before uh, PAX, it was not really on my radar. It's definitely not tracking very high on my radar. Mm -hmm. And so I'm pretty stoked for it now. I'm really excited for it. It'll be nice to play maybe one last game on my Wii U because I'm probably going to play Zelda on the NX. It's kind of crazy to think that you know we're at the place where like we will be playing like the last games on our Wii U's. Yeah, it's really sad to be honest. Like I, I felt know. like I never like, got my full enjoyment out of that system, but I'm still waiting. I, I'm not going to commit to playing Zelda on the NX until I uh, see what it is. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't know about this one. I might. I might not. It does have some of the best lemons yeah. I've ever seen in a game. I'm like, man, like those are some beautiful lemons. Like the like the weird live action like cartoon sticker combination thing they're going with this yeah. is a pretty neat look. I think the whole thing is just very clever and really different. So I have high hopes for it. Uh, next up, Gears of War 4. It, they showed both the Horde mode 3.0 mm-hmm. and they showed it running on PC for the first time. Did you actually get a chance to see it running on the PC? I thought they showed it on the PC at E3. No. Oh, this is the first time I saw PC I think Behind there. Closed Doors demo was the PC, oh, if okay. I'm not mistaken. This was the first time I saw it. They were showing it on that ridiculous 4K, like, super-duper television in the in the booth, uh, okay. and I think that was the PC version. Uh, I totally missed it. I didn't see it. So, for me, this was the first time I saw PC footage. That's not what you're seeing right now, by the way. This is, this uh, is the Horde trailer. Yeah. This is the Horde mode trailer. Um... Horde mode seems to have turned a lot of people's opinions on this game. I mean, I don't know what people... It, to me, it hasn't changed all that much. No, but I mean, Horde mode is... People had to know it was coming. Right. I mean, Horde mode is my favorite... Uh, horde mode is my fa- <laughs> is my favorite part of Gears Well, you got something against Horde mode? So, uh, that would be more of a GTA sub-game, sub I think. Um... Yeah, so horde, horde mode is is my favorite part of Gears of War in general. So like, yeah, seeing like the you know, I mean, you knew it was going to be in here, but it's nice to see that it's there and it's robust and it's a big deal. And there's going to be you know some real support happening here and and some variety and some stuff we haven't seen before because you know we you know we're used to fighting locust, and you know there's a there's a respectable enemy variety in this one, it looks like. Something. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's huge boss fights, which I'm all down with, but there's also, it seems to be classes. classes now, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, am I crazy, but that was that was never a part of Horde before, right? No, 
Unless it was in... Uh, I don't know if that's good or not, but... Unless it was in that Baird spinoff one that I can never remember. Uh, God, I can't, I can't remember his name. Began with an A, I think. He, what are you The fourth about? Gears of War game? Oh, uh, not Ascension. Not Ascension. That's, that's Ge- God, God of War. War. Um, Judgment. Judgment, yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't play that one, so unless the classes were in that. Yeah, I didn't play it either, yeah. actually. <laughs> Just like I didn't play Ascension. No, actually, I, I played I, a little bit of that. I didn't play either of them. Yeah. I own Ascension and Judgment, but I've never <laughs> played them. I only have Judgment because when you bought uh, Gears of War 1, the remaster, you, uh, got, right. you got all the backwards compatibility ones for free to that's download. That's right, I forgot about that. Does this change your impression of Gears 4 at all? No, I mean, it's still kind of in that, like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll play that. I mean, the, oh, the other thing was like with the horde mode is like I don't know who I'm going to play it with because like most of the people I used to play horde mode with like don't even play video games anymore because they too, too busy changing diapers. Yeah, they don't play games anymore, or they bought a PlayStation Four yeah. instead of an Xbox One. Uh, you're right; it might be hard to get a group together to play this. Uh, I will, I will say to me personally, more than the horde mode, seeing it running on PC was the more impressive thing for mm-hmm. me. Uh, being able to see what this game really looks like. Yeah, it really looks nice. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's really what you're getting. Like, when you're playing it on Xbox One, you're kind of getting, like, the Vaseline-smeared version <laughs> of it. And you're playing it on PC, you're seeing exactly what the Coalition created. The textures as they're supposed to be, you know, anti-aliasing the way it's supposed to be. Everything that they put all this hard work into, you're really getting to see the fruits of their labor. And I was really impressed with how good Gears 4 looked, which bodes well for how it's going to look on Scorpio, ultimately, mm-hmm. as well. Uh, one would wonder, though, a year later, how much interest there's going to be in Gears 4 when Scorpio comes out. But then we'll have Scalebound, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well... It is interesting to start oh thinking boy, about... I, I forgot about Scalebound. Scalebound's got, Scalebound's got some work to do. It is interesting to, to start thinking about, now that we've seen the PlayStation 4 Pro, and how it has had an effect on the games we already know about and the games that are already announced we've already seen a ton of footage of and seeing that new that game running with that new resolution and everything to start thinking about that on Microsoft's side which is you know what will some of this stuff look like when it's running on the Scorpio so hopeful i don't think mm-hmm. it's going to turn the tide or anything like no. that but certainly it it could help a little bit at least it's going to be better than quantum break yeah <laughs> I'm sure Gears will sell better than Quantum Break. Yeah, it has that's to. what I mean. I don't know if it'll be a better game, but cause I haven't played Quantum Break still. Wow. But uh, think you ever will? I'll get, like, I'll ever? get I'll get an Steam sale. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's been delayed on Steam again. So yeah. <laughs> maybe one day. Uh, let's see. Now, now we're going to talk about not necessarily indie games, but some smaller games that actually did make an impact from the show. The first, well, the first big one for me is a game called Echo. Have you watched the trailer that was released for this, like, the week before PAX? Uh, is this the one with, like, the woman with the white hair and there's, yep. like, clones of her everywhere? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw that. So this game has made a huge splash at PAX. It was just unveiled for the first time right before the show, literally the week before. They were really smart to get out in the head of PAX and get their trailer out beforehand. I noticed it, whereas mm. when PAX was going down, it was just a deluge of media and a lot of stuff kind of got lost in the shuffle. This game did not because I saw it beforehand. So this game is all about you in this palace, and this palace basically learns your behaviors and then clones your character, and the characters that it clones then imitate your behavior from your last attempt at the game. So basically it's learning from you to 
put up the best defense possible against what you like to do. So it, it organically forces you mm. to play the game differently every time because it's learning and adapting based upon what you did the last time you played it. So, But periodically the lights go out and it can't see you while, the, while they're out. That's right. right. Yeah, so that's like the caveat so that you basically when the lights go out... That's when you shoot everything in the head. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> But again, this You don't is, want it to learn that. Yeah. This game has a really <laughs> unique concept. The production values in it are great for an indie game. It's really nice. You know what it reminds me of is um, uh, Tartakovsky's Solaris. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. Not, the, not the George Clooney remake, the original yeah. Solaris. Like for, for, the, the con- for some reason, the concept and the look like, like just bring that movie to mind. Yeah, it's a stealth-oriented game. A lot of it's about sneaking around and you know trying to hide from the dozens mm. of clones that are that are chasing after you. Uh, and a lot of it's like navigating the environment, figuring out a way to get around the clones to get to where, where you saw that pedestal to flip the key. If you guys have not watched this, by the way, on Sifted, I highly recommend going back and watching it because this trailer has a narrator that explains kind of how everything works. And it's a really intricate uh, game, and you're only getting sort of the Cliff Notes version mm-hmm. uh, with our discussion on here today. But definitely one of the, to me, one of the coolest games they showed at PAX, and one that made one of the biggest impacts. Uh, the next one I'm going to talk about is Torment Tides of, and let me get this right, I mispronounce this every time, Numenera. Mm-hmm. It is the spiritual successor to Planetscape, which Planescape. Planescape, which if you remember the subtitle of that was Torment. Torment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like they did not have the uh, the IP no. for Planescape, so no, because that's Dungeons that's uh, Wizards of the Coast, so that's uh, a that's a pricey one. I do admire how they've managed to skirt around that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's some pretty pretty cool stuff they did there to make sure that uh, people would know what this game is. Isometric action RPG. Uh, game is looking amazing. Um, I'm starting to wonder if maybe there's too many of these games in the pipeline at this point. Um, maybe for the general audience, but for the people that like grew up playing those, probably not no such thing. Really? Um, I backed this. I mean, I, I backed this one on, kick, on Kickstarter actually. Yeah. Um, if there was any one of them I was going to back, it's this one. Um, but yeah, we've got a lot. You know, we've got uh, what Divinity: Original Sin, and we had uh, Pillars of Eternity, and but the thing is, like, they're all yeah, like they're Eternity too. But they're like they're by uh, the masters of the form, so I'm not too worried about you know having too many of them. I think the game looks incredible. Yeah, I mean, the other thing about it too is that I love that it has actually has an art style. Yeah. Instead of just being well, like this like high fantasy realistic yeah, well, look the, with the camera pulled a mile away. Well, the Planescape uh, setting was always a very different take on it was the most unique D&D setting probably ever yeah. I, I would say uh, and did you play the original no i never did the the original i would probably call the original planescape torment the best written video game of all time wow it is mostly reading i mean it it is but it is um it is not nearly as much combat as you would expect from kind of like what you think in terms of like a baldur's gate or an icewind dale um but it is i mean this is where chris avalone cut his teeth really was was on the original planescape torment and like you you know, Give it a shot. It's amazing what indie studios are doing today, man. Yeah. Uh, that game, is it, that's an indie game. That's pretty incredible, man. Yeah. Well, those guys, those guys know how to make it. You know, it's like, that's it's kind of the, the, the great thing about the indie scene and the, some of the Kickstarter stuff that really actually does end up getting delivered is that, like, you know, we're seeing these games that no publisher would ever have funded. No, yeah. Ever have allowed into their house, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, just like, and then they end up selling really yeah, well. It's like crazy. Wasteland too. It's like you know, yeah. like they, they took that game to probably every publisher in the industry, and nobody would touch it. 
And there you go. Look what happened. Yep. Yeah, so I... I yeah, but it was, it was pretty, pretty good. It's all right. <laughs> I will say that isometric action RPGs is another genre that has kind of fallen off mm-hmm. over the last 10 years, probably. The last time I really played them a lot was when I worked at GameSpot. So it's actually been way more yeah. than 10 years. There wasn't a lot to play for those <laughs> year, intervening years, really. But it, when I first started working at GameSpot, it was, ba- it was still called at that point PC GameSpot. Mm. And it was like basically, it, it was when I got there, it was just transitioning from being primarily a PC gaming website into a website that covered everything. And so a lot of the people that were working there when I got there were people who were with the, the site all the time from when it was a PC site. And so, you know, the PC element there was heavy. Greg Kasavin, huge PC oh, gamer. Yeah. Pretty much all the senior staff there were like big PC guys who were just really starting to dabble with playing console games. And so. When I got there, you get your influence by the people you work with, and I kind of got back into it for a little period there and started playing some of those games again. But then once I left there, I just haven't really gotten back into them anymore. So maybe this is the one. If you're saying mm-hmm. the writing was that good, is the same writer working on Torment? Do you know? I don't remember. I think, I think so. Yeah. I think Avalon's in there somewhere. Uh, I have not been paying attention to it. It's one of those things where it's like, that, I mean, that Kickstarter was like three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I've lost track of it at this point. But I, you know, Planes, you can probably get Planescape on GOG for like five bucks or something. Right. Like, give it a shot. Like, it's still, I think it's still, you know, the, the combat isn't great by modern standards by any means. But there's not nearly as much of it as there is in like a like a another, like a Baldur's Gate kind of thing. It's more yeah. about the story and more about the choices and narrative. So uh, I think a lot of that still holds up. Give it, give it a try. Yep. I say give it a try. The last game we're going to talk about from PAX is. Outlast 2, this game is absolutely terrifying. Hmm. They have a brand new, like, 10, 15-minute demo at PAX. We've talked about the first demo because it also shook me to my core just watching it. Uh, they finally had another demo for PAX West. It, it looks incredible. Absolutely incredible. It looks to me like what Resident Evil 7 is trying to be. Um, basically the whole setup is like a pregnant woman is walking along the side of the highway and like disappears. Like there's some kind of a plane. Cr- I don't even know how the setup starts cause they don't explain it with too much detail, but basically you're just thrown out into the wilderness and there's this whack job cult, like out in the middle of the wilderness. A lot of it is told from like a found footage kind of perspective from the viewpoint of the camera that you carry around with you. And it's just the way the, uh, the sound design, obviously look at the visuals. The sound design, the tension in the game, it's amazing. Like, I am so excited for this game. I'm If it, if this game were in VR, I might be more excited for this than Resident Evil 7. I feel like Resident Evil 7... Is there no VR mode on this? Not I feel yet. Like, I feel like they're bet, there There may there be is. eventually, but as of right now, no. It's just a, a first-person adventure game. Um, adventure horror game, I guess, is the mm-hmm. best way to put it. But basically, you're just, like, infiltrating this... The running simulator. Yeah, <laughs> running. A fear simulator. Um, this does not do this game justice hearing it on silent, by the way, and just hearing Matt and I talk about it. Like, it's all about the sound design and hearing things and, like, oh, my gosh, I need to go hide, and then hiding, and then watching something that you can barely see walk by through a crack in the door or whatever. It, that's what this game is all about. And it Also, d- growing up where you grew up, you probably have a healthy fear of... Cornfields. Oh, and not even the, just cornfields. The people who live in them, because that was a big that was a big element of the original trailer for this, as I right. recall, was fleeing from crazy cult. The original demo, through, yeah. Uh, and you hit the barrel at the one point, mm. yeah, yeah, and you run through the cornfield. 
But yeah, I mean, I did grow up in like a rural area where there are just tons of like old abandoned houses and like at night, me and my sister, we'd sneak out of the house and we would go to like these old abandoned houses and go in them in the dark with a flashlight just to scare the crap out of ourselves, basically. Mm -hmm. And we'd get in there, we'd go up to like, and some of these, and like weirdos would go in there. Like seriously, like Satanists would go into these houses and like paint pentagrams on the wall and like burn candles and stuff. We'd go in there at night, it was scary. And you get like all the way up to the top of the thing and you're like up where they were like doing their dumb like teenage whatever. And then you hear like a sound on the bottom floor and just that feeling of fear that just overcomes you. You're like, I want to run. But if we run, we have to run downstairs past whatever made that noise. And like, so yeah, totally. Like there's some built in sort of feelings <laughs> for this game already that are deep rooted in my childhood. So maybe that's why maybe I'm, I'm really hyped for it. But all I know is I've seen 20 minutes of this game being played, and every single one of those minutes just had me like just freaking out the entire time I was watching it being played. So I'm I'm all over this game. I'm I'm really excited for it. I also like stuff that has to do with the occult. Like uh, I'm really excited to see the new Blair Witch. Are you? No. It's getting amazing reviews. I might. I mean, I did not like the original. Oh, you didn't? Um, no. Oh, see, I did. I I, I mean, I saw it. I saw it in the right frame. I saw it like before it was really a, a thing. It was a preview screening at uh, in Palo Alto with a pa- I mean, it was a midnight screening, packed, like sold out. Uh, college, you know, we we're all college age, so mostly Stanford students, I guess. Um, big. It was a really great audience, like reacting to everything. But like the whole, like I. Um, I guess if you want to know what if you want to know what I think of the original Blair Witch, watch the Red Letter Media re-review they just did and listen to Mike. Okay. Mike, Mike, uh, one of uh, Jay loves it and has seen it like thirty-eight times, and Mike hasn't watched it since he saw it in a theater, oh. and that uh, he watched it for the first time since then, and they do a re-review video. Um, he is pretty much exactly what I okay. think of. I've Blair seen Witch. it probably like ten times. Uh, I have there. never seen the sequel, which I hear is terrible. Um, I wouldn't say it's terrible. I would say it's not good. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll see. I, I'm interested in the new one mainly because uh, it's not a real, a literal reboot. It's yeah. uh, it's a sequel, but yeah. it's sort of a fresh start, I guess. Well, see, the sequel wasn't really like a sequel. Right, the sequel was like a documentary about the people who like the movie or something. Pretty much, kind of yeah. a documentary about people who think it it's kind real. Of broke or the fourth wall. A little yeah. Bit. yeah. Um, which is, you know... I mean, but the was, new Blair Witch is getting vi- amazing reviews. Like, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's, like, rocking it. Like, it's I couldn't believe mm. it. Like, I was like, oh, I'm sure this movie's gonna suck. I'll just go look. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, Well, sometimes it matters if the original director comes back to do this. Kind is of this thing. the original director? I believe it is. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It looks scary as hell to me. Anyway, I'm all in on that movie. I'm all in on Outlast 2. So... That's all wrap for PAX. I mean, it, to me, it's surprising there weren't more, like, smaller indie games that kind of bubbled up. <laughs> Someone making fun of me for liking Blair Witch in the chat. No, Eric Estrada just says, knowing you, it's a surprise you didn't get robbed at the abandoned <laughs> house. <laughs> fun, kind of funny, but not really. Kind of true. Yeah. That's why it's funny. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> but I'm surprised more, like, smaller Stole games. all his candles. Yeah. <laughs> They stole my goat's blood. <laughs> but, you know, I think part of it is fatigue. Because a lot of the games mm-hmm. that were debuted at PAX were a lot of side-scrolling platformers, which I've talked about a lot. I feel like it's just getting completely oversaturated with yeah. those games. In terms of, like, the indie scene of this, the 2D, like, the side-scrolling platformers, like, give me Cuphead or walk away. Yeah, pretty much. Point. You know, it was like, and I am excited for Cuphead. 
Is it? Do we have, I have is a there feeling any that, kind of release date on that at all? They put out one another like it's I gotta think, be next year. I then. think IGN had the exclusive on Cuphead gameplay from PAX. Mm-hmm. Why I don't know, but like they're the only ones that put up new footage of it. Or no, it was Gamespot. And Gamespot yeah. actually put up like a really great montage and like watch it on Sith that it's there. But uh, I'm thinking you know, next year, yeah, probably. It should come out this year. You'd what the think hell but... is going on. <laughs> But I'm with you on that one. It's like Cuphead or Bust at this point for side-scrollers for me. All right, let's move on to the next topic. While PAX was going on. Meanwhile, I, I always choose the worst weekends to leave town. Mm-hmm. I leave town, PAX is going on, and at the same time, Call of Duty XP is going on. And I had gotten an invite for Call of Duty XP. I could have gone and played Infinite Warfare and Modern Warfare Remaster like, all freaking weekend and watch some esports and... It had a blast, but I had already planned on going out of town. Thank God for the internet, though, because you don't really need to be there with the internet. So they debuted for the first time, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare multiplayer. Did you get a chance to check out any of this stuff? No, although I did get a code for it. I haven't oh, used for it. the beta. I haven't used it yet. Beta's coming up. Com- yeah. I think it's just an open beta, though. I don't yeah. think you need an invite. I got a code for early access to it or something. Oh, okay. Like, I, yeah, think it's a, probably, I think it's a pre-order thing. They'll probably do the same thing where like you get like two or three days yeah. of early access to it or whatever. Uh, but there is an open beta coming, just like they have with Overwatch and Battlefield 1. Battlefield 1 beta just ended today, by the way. I'm pretty sad about that. <laughs> I enjoyed. I have enjoyed the Battlefield 1 beta the whole time. Like, you know, we talked about it last week on Freestyle. Mm. Um, I've not waned on my enjoyment of Battlefield 1. I'm having a really good time with it. Um, so they finally debuted the multiplayer for Infinite Warfare. Some pretty big changes coming to the game, Matt. Um, before I get into, well, I might as well mention it now because you're watching it being played. Traversal, obviously mm-hmm. something we talk about with every first-person shooter anymore. How is it being handled? What can you do? Um, basically, this is just like Black Ops 3. It is not like Advanced Warfare. So you don't have like jetpacks and things like that where you can get around a lot faster. There also, by the way, at least not that they've shown yet, there's also no grapple hook. Remember mm. we see in the campaign footage using a grapple hook all the time? Mm. No grapple hook in multiplayer from what they've shown also, so far. Also, does not appear to be in zero-G. No. Yeah, so it basically plays, as far as traversal and shooting, it plays like Black Ops. It's fast as hell. Uh, you can run on walls, but that's pretty much the extent of it. Mm. You cannot kind of hover or kind of jetpack around the environments. Now, here's one caveat to the traversal, and that is that there's a, these brand new things called, what the hell are they called again? Oh, payloads. So, basically how the multiplayer works is it is a, a class-based multiplayer, which mm-hmm. is a little weird because Call of Duty is always, what I really like so about it's like it. it's just loadout-based. Yeah, it's yeah. just loadout-based. But this time, you basically pick, I think there's, yeah, they're called combat Mm. Combat rigs, and there's six different ones that you can play as. And of course, you have the stereotypes. You have like the really fast guy you can like throw a knife. Mm-hmm. You have like the guy they showed earlier that has a big riot shield that you can bull rush people with. And you have a phantom that everybody will use. Right? Yeah. I, I don't know if you remember, sniper, but the sniper, riot sniper. shields in Call of Duty in the past have been like these slow, like cumbersome things where you're like, mm. like inching towards the enemy while I try to shoot your feet. Well, the the riot shield in this one, you can actually thrust and like sprint at people yeah. and like knock them out of the way. Yeah, when I first saw it it almost looked like it looked like he had transformed into a motorcycle. Yeah, or yeah. It was like, wow, he can get on a like a vehicle or something. He's moving fast. It also reminds me a little bit of Rainbow Six Siege because Siege kind of has the faster shield that you can use and people can mm-hmm. get in behind you and kind of use you for protection. Um, so 
Yeah, as far as like the traversal is concerned, that's pretty much the extent of it. But the thing is, with these combat rigs and these different payloads that you can that you can choose, it also alters what the traversal that you can do with your character. So there's there's one rig loadout that you can use that will give you a slide where you mm. slide across the ground on like one knee. So it. In that way, to me, I'm not a big fan of that. Like, I don't there like. There right there. Yeah, I don't like creating like these uneven like playing fields where one person can slide around and like another person can't. Like, I feel like there should be fundamentals, especially when you're talking about a game that's an esport. Like, there needs to be a tenant, a fundamental that every player knows and you can expect. Like in most Call of Duties, every player can crouch, every player can go prone, every player can basically sprint the same. Every player can jump the same height. Everybody, every player can jump the same distance. Like those are things that you rely on when your brain is trying to calculate the competitive environment. You know what these people can do. Having some dude just come running up to you and be able to slide like right down to your knees and basically shotgun roll you, which is an old Gears of War tactic. I mean, hmm. that's pretty much what they can do. And like, if there's no clear visual markers so you can see that guy coming. And the one thing I've discovered with games like this where everybody has like a, a mech suit or an armor suit is like it is impossible to tell one person from another. Like watching this in slow-mo, you're like, oh, well, he has like this helmet that's shaped like blah, blah, blah. You actually get into a match, like you do not have time to recognize that. Like unless they're big changes. And you can see from this footage like... They're not that big. There's not that big well, of a difference. It happens too fast. Yeah, I think. and these games now are like crazy fast as well. So, personally, personally, I'm not a big fan of that. Like, I don't know if they found some way to to make sure it's fair or to balance it in some way or another. But just based upon the information and what's been shown of the multiplayer so far, that's one thing I'm a little fishy on. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Uh, score streaks have returned, um, and uh, you get points for doing everything so you're rewarded if you're just capturing flags you're just defending flags the same as somebody who's 50 getting points killed. breathing i'll give you i'll give you one other guess what else has been added to to the game weapon skins yeah <laughs> but weapon skins have been in call of duty for like ever. right i'm just like can you like what, gamble what? on them now or that's been in there for a while too but microtransaction what? like crate delivery things and stuff no. like that what what is a part of almost every video game now? Microtransaction crate delivery things. Yeah. <laughs> crafting. Oh. There is crafting in this game, Matt. You craft your weapons. Hmm. So as you play, you're rewarded with what are they calling it? Salvage. So as you gain salvage, you can then use that salvage to buy upgrades and changes for your weapons. And each weapon has how many different let me see. Oh, there's four different rarity levels of weapons. And as you craft them, they're called prototype weapons. So mm. you can kind of create these experimental weapons. And each weapon upgrade that you get gives you a new perk. So instead of the perks just being something on a list that you just select when you're doing your loadout, like you have to actually earn those perks by building guns and crafting guns. And, of course, it does have all the stuff you're talking about, the skins and all that stuff to personalize your guns and that type of thing. Um, but the way the whole class system works is completely different. There's the six different combat rigs. Uh, there's three different payloads for each rig. 
So what the payloads is what I was talking about. Like it gives you the ability to do the slide or it gives you the mm -hmm. bull shield charge that we were talking about. And then there's three different perks for each combat rig that are now called traits. They've changed the name of it. I don't know why they keep doing this, dude. Why they keep rebranding things that people already understand. Because different teams putting these things together. They're putting their own mark on it. It's not a mark, though. They're just, like, renaming, like, the yeah, same but crap. That's, yeah, but we understand that. But when you're in the, when you're in the trench there, it's like, well, we got to make it our own. It's like, no one cares. So each combat rig, you're given, you can choose one payload and one trait in combination. And they said, in total, with all the... With all the traits and all the payloads, there's 50 total combinations to choose from, which seems a little small to me. Mm. So, I mean, think about, like, the other Call of Duty games. It's like the combinations were, like, limitless. Like, literally, like, the combinations were, like, limitless because you got to realize also your perks are, like, these are your perks. Like, it used to be you could just pick whatever hell perk you want, whatever hell weapon you wanted, and just create, like, this Frankenstein of a <laughs> character. So I'm a little disappointed in that. Um, let's see. You can you can rank up in prestige weapons, which is something that's been in the, in the series for forever. Um, the tactical nuke has come back, mm. which is a pretty big deal because they've I'm actually sure. kind of toned down score streaks in mm. Call of Duty for the last couple entries. Tactical nuke being like, as in, you the get nuke. that high enough, you win the match. Twenty five kills, you end the match, pretty much. Yeah, which I'm okay with that. If you get twenty five kills in a row, go ahead, yeah, like, end the match <laughs> because you've already ended it yeah. anyway. <laughs> Uh, and then some of the stuff that they showed, like, I don't know if you noticed earlier, but there was, like, this little spike that, like, the, 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 the smaller spike. rig pulled out. Yeah, the bio spike. How did you see that? Because it's it said. Oh, it said it on there. <laughs> <laughs> but that bio spike is a one-shot kill. Mm -hmm. One spike. You just throw one. It looked like it affected the guy next to It does, too. too. It kills the one person and then has splash damage wow. to, like, people around him, like... I generally trust, you know, these games to be balanced and everything to be even, but that seems a little weird to me. But I will say, like, a lot of the kill streaks or the score streaks are called, that they've shown are really cool. A couple of them are reskin. They even kind of mention, like, their old names when they're talking about them in the promotional mm -hmm. media they put out. Um, some of, one of the new modes that they have is, like, a mode where this droid comes down and basically you have to defend the droid. And I believe that was in Advanced Warfare as well. Uh, it's called Defender. It's like a keep-away mm -hmm. option where you're just trying to keep the other team away from the robot for the longest amount of time. It's like a time-counting like mode mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, but that's pretty much it. That's what they've announced of it so far. Uh, it looks great. Yeah. Like, I don't know if watching that footage, like, it looks awesome. It looks fast. But it does seem awfully similar to the last couple entries in this series. With a couple tweaks that I'm not 100% certain that I'm going to actually like. So, it's Infinity Ward. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, this will be the first Call of Duty multiplayer I have played for any length of time since Modern Warfare 2. Wow. Uh, yeah. So you're sold. Yeah. You're sold on it. I'm never... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sold on it for the campaign to begin with, but I will, I will try the multiplayer. See, I don't like the, the whole, like combat rigs thing. Like, they all look the same. I'm going to play it for about 10 hours and get bored of it, so I don't really care. It kind of <laughs> like, reminds me of, like, the new, like, Transformers movies, where, mm -hmm. like, the style of the Transformers, it just makes all of them kind of blend together, where I don't even know, yeah. like, who the Transformers supposed to be half the time until like they the, say his name. Like, I do like the guy who, the, the one that can, like, run on all fours. That's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be annoying as hell. I don't, even, I don't think that's a rig, though. It's, it's one of them. 
Like the I think that's just a robot because you know the big part of this game is like fighting against robots. Yeah, and but crap. I think that it looked like it was one of the things you could pick. It might just be a uh, a score streak, maybe. Mm. Maybe it's, yeah, because there's also a, there is a score streak robot where it will play as a sentry that follows you around, or you can hide and control it remotely. So maybe that's what you were seeing. Maybe I don't know, but uh, it, it pops up a few times. I'm not sure if it's a player thing or whatever. But at one point they do show like something that doesn't look like a normal humanoid. It, sh- it looks like a it looks like a literally a robot. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Yeah. yeah, I do not think that that is a combat rig. I no. think that's like a either a perk or a or a score streak or something that you can use. Right. So, I mean, overall at this point, I would say I'm more excited for the campaign in this than the multiplayer. I mean, it looks good. Yeah, it doesn't too. look spectacular. Um, I mean, we're all going to be able to find out. In the not too distant future, I think the mm-hmm. open beta starts in like three weeks or something like that. Something like that. I yeah. think it's like October thirteenth, so maybe a little more than three weeks. But, that sounds uh, like five weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my math ain't so good right now, apparently. But uh, I don't know. I was a little disappointed in it, and it's and you know I will say one thing: like the PR rep who I've worked with at Activision for the last like eleven years, like he is a straight shooter, and uh, I know that from working with him eleven years. Like he'll tell me, he'll be like, "Yeah, this one." I don't know, or sometimes I'd be like, no, no, this is this one is like the hot stuff, and he swore up and down that this is like great. Hmm. So it is a PR person. Maybe he's, he's had a change of heart. He's actually <laughs> being a real PR person and just saying everything's great now. But uh, generally, I've I've been pretty reliant on trusting his opinion on whether something's going to end up being at least different. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says this has a different feel, and uh, so we'll see. But um, there you have it multiplayer preview for Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. And now it's time to move on to the last topic of the show. Trying to figure out whether this is the bigger deal or PlayStation 4 Pro is the bigger deal from this week. I think in the grand scheme of things, probably Super Mario Run is the bigger overall story. This Uh, is, by the way... In terms of the beginning of big things, yeah, probably. Because, yeah. by the way, people may not even realize this, but this is the first time Nintendo is going third party. Even, does it, what's it, what's that, uh, that stupid dresses, dressing clothes and answer questions about your friend thing? Doesn't count? Oh, Mitomo? Yeah. I mean, if you call that a game, that's mm-hmm. like a social network, like, app, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this well, is why don't we, first... we just forget about that? Yeah, one. exactly. <laughs> but this is their first third-party game. Mm-hmm. So Nintendo did not make this, or you mean, you mean... Nintendo is making this? Yeah, yeah. and they're publishing they're, it on a different platform. They're putting on a third-party. Whereas platform. with Pokemon Go, that was a Niantic game that was put on right. another platform. So this is really the first Nintendo third-party game. Unless you count those CDI Zeldas. No, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. Another caveat. It's in the... So far, every single time they've done this has been terrible, Yeah, you're is, right. is what we're saying. Because <laughs> those were the worst Zelda games <laughs> ever made, <laughs> by quite a wide margin. Matt, what's your first impressions of uh, Super Mario Run? One-button uh, gameplay, Yeah, but there's I, some depth to it based upon yeah, how long you hold the button. Um, my impression is uh, how much are you going to make me pay for this? Yeah, so what they're saying is they're going to give you a taste for free. Right. But it's a premium mobile game, which means you just pay once and you get all the content. Right. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be ten bucks. That's my best guess as well. Um, and I, you know what? 
Because I think they they'll t- totally get away with that. Probably they will. Uh, they want. I mean, they want five bucks from me for the original Super Mario Brothers on Virtual Console. I can't see this being less than ten, yeah. especially given the Apple Store's cut. Yeah. Um, I know there are people that are thinking it's going to be five. I think that's incredibly optimistic. I think you're looking at Square Enix pricing on this one. Yeah. And for any future Nintendo stuff. I, I agree, and I think to a certain extent, I feel like people have almost accepted that. Publishers who traditionally have put out games on consoles, their mobile games are going to cost something. Mm-hmm. Like it just seems like that's just kind of the way it is. Like, yeah, I mean, I would Square Enix's games are really expensive, and people buy them. Like, for some oh God, that Final Fantasy VI thing was just ugh, yeah, yuck. Um, at least the art style on this looks good. Yeah. Um, well, it's the new Super Mario. I actually don't like it. No, I don't like that aesthetic very much. But at least it looks like the aesthetic. You know, yeah. Like the Final Fantasy VI. There's a Final Fantasy VI iOS port. Thing that like, it looked like, God, I can't even describe it. it. Was like some kind of like some. It was like someone attacked the game with Vaseline and like a sharpening tool. It was just, <laughs> it was horrifying. And they wanted like twenty bucks for it. Um, By the way, I'd I rather want that pay... Mushroom Kingdom shirt that he's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather you know pay a ten dollar thing and get the whole game. So would I. So it's. I think that'll limit. It's you know you're not going to get like break away, breakout runaway money bags out of it because you're not fleecing people with microtransactions but like at least Nintendo seems to be sticking to their philosophy a little more here as opposed to how Pokemon Go and Mitomo uh, handle it right which is nice to see so here was another case of a of a game where the press reaction to it blew me away like. So first of all, how weird was it to see Miyamoto uh, up there on an on Apple, Apple stage. stage on any stage but Nintendo's? Yeah. Like you just don't see it. Like how much money do you think Apple threw at Nintendo for this game? To do this first on that, yeah. I mean, it threw Nintendo a ton of money with the caveat of this stays exclusive to us for 3 months or 4 mm-hmm. months. Analysts are already saying they expect this game to have a billion downloads by the time its lifespan is over, which to me actually seems like a small estimate because Pokemon Go is already at 500 million after like two and a half months. I mean, you think about the lifespan of the first ever Mario mm-hmm. game for mobile platforms. I mean... Well, it depends I, where you're counting uh, uh, lifetime, but also remember that Pokemon Go is uh, free. Yeah, but I mean, people will be able to try this for free. Yeah. How many people will eventually pay any money for it? I don't know. But mm. they're saying, like, a billion installs for this game. Yeah. I think that's conservative. I, I think that's a lot. It is a lot. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see. I, I don't know. Do you, not, do you think Pokemon Go has a bigger draw, or Pokemon has a bigger draw than Mario? Uh, in terms of this platform? Apparently, yes. You think I, so? I think so, because Pokemon Go became a cultural phenomenon... And I don't think this will. Well, no, I agree with that. The other part of it, too, is that this is a game in a genre that everyone's played 100 times. The mm-hmm. Endless Runner on mobile is one of the most common and popular genres. Yeah. Well, actually, common was popular yeah. three years ago. Now, not so much. Although, in that same breath, I'm excited to see what Nintendo will do with it. Yeah. Like, what they showed of the game so far... It looks a lot more interesting than the Minions one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Already, like, what I've seen in this game is far more interesting than any Endless Runner I've seen before. Mm -hmm. Like, it looks like there's a lot more technique and high-level skill to it. Um, Getting back to what I was saying about the press's reaction to it is, 
everyone's calling it an endless runner because that's what it is. Like, to me, the definition of an endless runner is a, a run, is a side-scrolling platformer where you can never stop and go backwards. You're always forced to endlessly run to the right. But what I saw is that a lot of the press, and I will say, and I'm not going to name any names, but I will say that a lot of the press that had this set, shared this sentiment are people who in the past were, worked on like Nintendo fan sites or worked on the Nintendo channel at whatever website. So people who maybe have a little bit more of an affinity for Nintendo were like railing on people on social media for calling it an endless runner. Am I missing something here? No, it's just Nintendo fans don't like to think that Nintendo does anything any, like anybody else. Any, yeah, that's all it is. And, and look, of course I, it's an endless run. I mean, when I think endless runner, I think more of like usually the behind the back 3D thing in right. terms of like mobile stuff. But yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, like, I'm, I don't care. It, it, Call yeah. it whatever the hell you want. Like I want to play it. Like it looks like fun yeah. to me. And you know, Nintendo's first real mobile game. Like I'll be there. Mm-hmm. I think everyone's gonna be there. Yeah. Like Mario on a, Mario on an iPhone. Nintendo stock shot up again mm-hmm. as soon as it was announced. This, this, time, this time for real, legit. Yeah. yeah, like there's no reason for the stock to actually go down this time. In fact, I'm really starting to think now that like buying Nintendo stock might be a really good idea, man. Before this thing hits, it goes live. Yeah, even bef- like just it's not even about just this. It's like so they pushed Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem. They were supposed mm-hmm. to come out before the end of the year. Those are pushed now to next year. Right. This is just the tip of the iceberg, man. Yeah. Well, like, I, this is I just think, getting started. I think wait a little while until they announce the NX and everyone's disappointed and the stock drops. And then buy it then and it'll jump back up when Mario Mobile goes on. Or yeah. Super Mar- what is it? Uh, Super Mario Run? Yeah. yeah. And then I think their mobile stuff is going to outshine the new console to some degree in terms of revenue. So That's what the graphics all about. Run for your life. Mm-hmm. It's like... This is what is ultimately going to yeah. keep Nintendo alive years and years from now. When all the consoles go away, Nintendo doing this, the first step, releasing mm-hmm. a third-party game on someone else's platform, is what is going to ultimately be the lifeblood Well, and Nintendo. more importantly, releasing that game and those games, but especially this one, finally, you are putting Mario in the hands of these children who live attached to their iPads. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, just it's, idiotic that it hasn't been done before now. You, that, they, they missed a whole, almost a whole generation of children who did, did not grow up playing Mario. They grew up playing Minecraft on their iPads. Just think about this. So, I mean, this, finally, you're going, to, you're going to mitigate that gap. Because for a while there, you're like, you're going to have a 10, 15-year period where 20, late 20, early 30-somethings don't care about Nintendo. Yeah. And that's their bread and butter right now. So what are they going to do now? So now you're going to finally start remedying that future problem. Nintendo has never released a game with a bigger installed base than the installed base yeah. for this game. I mean, how many iPhones are out there that will play this game? I'm assuming iPhone 5 and up will probably play it. I mean, <laughs> how many hundreds of millions are there? The Wii, its best-selling console since the Super Nintendo... At least. Had, what, 147 million? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not even in the <laughs> same ballpark. a joke compared to what the install base they're about to introduce their games to mm-hmm. on mobile. Again, like, I... Don't blame me if you lose money on Nintendo stock. <laughs> I'm just saying, I am seriously looking at buying Nintendo stock. Yeah. This is just the beginning of it. It's the well, first it's like, one. What, what if they're right about the, the billion installs, and let's say half those people buy it? 
and it's ten dollars. <laughs> Imagine five hundred million people buying your game. Yeah, it's just something that you could never even comprehend, like until now with mm -hmm. this new platform. Uh, I don't know why they would. We all knew this was going to happen. If we all if knew they it. Even, if they have a ten percent conversion rate, you'll sell as many copies as Super Mario Galaxy. Well, Super Mario Galaxy had a set in what, 10 million? 10 million. Yeah. Actually, no, I th yeah, I think that, that's right. It's not even that. It's like 1%. Yeah. It's 1%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. I don't know what Nintendo was thinking all this time. Just leaving all that money. Just... <laughs> 1 billion installs. <laughs> just leaving all that money just sitting there, but not anymore, people. Yeah. I think Nintendo is It's going to do just fine. And yeah. I'm actually really, I'm actually most interested to see what they're going to do with Fire Emblem. I mean, I hope they're all... <laughs> Animal Crossing Run. Fire Emblem Run. I yeah. mean, I hope they're not all Endless Runners. But I'm interested to see what they think adapting Fire Emblem to mobile means. I mean, they've seen Square Enix's games do well. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not expecting but you'd also Fire be... Emblem and right. Animal Crossing to do as well as Mario. Right, but we all. But I'm in, in terms of like an interesting gameplay twist on things we've already played. Like that looks like an interesting new way to play Mario. Yeah. And I'm kind of interested to see what this new way to play Fire Emblem because we know Nintendo doesn't just do whatever someone else has already done. Well, they always they have kind of are sort of, but they <laughs> always have to put their they own twist, spin or their yeah. own or their own depth. You know, it's like it's like how they can't just make a goddamn Star Fox sequel. They have to. They have to make it unique. And yeah. I'm just like, no, just give me it. You know what would make it unique? If it fucking looked good. How about that? That'll be your unique feature. It looks good. It's longer than an hour and a half. It and plays it's fun well. to play. Yeah. How's that, for, how's that for the Nintendo difference, motherfucker? Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not over the moon excited to play Super Mario Run. I'm excited to play it. I want to play it. And I, I'm, I'm more excited for the prospect of what it's initiating and what is to come. So, I don't know. It's a new, it's a new horizon in so many ways. So our two biggest topics today: incremental hardware upgrade, basically the end of the hardware cycle, mm -hmm. the phone model infesting the console market, and a long-time behemoth in the video mm -hmm. game industry finally giving in and accepting the reality of our modern times. Yep. I mean. What a prophetic episode we've had here of, of Game Face, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 61 will ever be an infamy for the paradigm shift that has been discussed here today. But uh, I'm excited. I, I, you know, Nintendo's games on every platform possible, totally cool with it. As long as they keep making their hardware so they can keep innovating in that space, totally cool with that as well. Um, it'll be interesting, though, to see if the NX... There's no reason not, not to leverage those franchises in a different way, on a different platform that does not interfere with or occlude what you're doing on your own hardware. There's yeah. just no reason not to do it. Well, it will be interesting to see with the NX if it is truly kind of this mobile tablet that you take with you and then you dock at home, mm -hmm. how Nintendo juggles that. I mean, do they put Super Mario Run on NX as well? I mean... You certainly could. Pokemon Go, going to Apple Watch, by the way. We didn't even mention yeah. that. But, you know, is Pokemon Go going to be on the NX? And then... Which, at this rate, might be cheaper to get than that stupid Pokemon attachment thing. Yeah, you're it. right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. So, the times they are changing quickly. Yep. Like, it's pretty crazy how quickly things are... I mean, we went through decades where everything just stayed the same. The graphics yeah, the, got better. The cycle was something you could depend on every single time. And you knew the graphics were going to get better. You knew they might add a couple new features to it. And even like Xbox One and PS4 like announcement press conference. You know, here, we like, here we go again. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm at my fourth console launch press conference. And like 
I don't know if we're ever going to be at one of those again. Yeah. Not in the same way. Not not with the same expectations. Well, it's funny too to see the the Sony the PlayStation Four Pro like meeting is small. Yeah. Like when there was applause, like you could hear like single people like clapping in the audience, <laughs> like. It wasn't like a big press conference where you have like, you know, tons of fans there that are just going crazy. So, yeah, just another way that things are really kind of shifting in the industry. And I think for the better in all honesty. Yeah. Do awesome. we really need flashy stuff like that? Like, no. the internet, you don't really need it. Like, there's really no point. You're wasting money. You're wasting money, you got to feed all those people because everybody expects you, Sony to roll out food trucks. And yeah, all yeah, those just things. take that money and make another game. That's how yeah. I look at it. <laughs> all right, so it's time for our trailer of the week. This week's trailer, we haven't done a trailer of the week for the last couple of weeks. We did mm-hmm. the first the first week of Freestyle, we did one. Then we didn't do it the last two weeks. But it's back for a normal game face. This week's trailer is the launch trailer for ReCore. ReCore is a... How about this? I, I've described it before on the site as like a cross between Metroid and Ikaruga. If you haven't played Ikaruga, it's a bullet hell shooter that's color coordinated. So if your ship is one color and the bullets are the other color, you kind of have to watch... The bullets and this game is kind of the same way and that the enemies are color coded and you have to use the right colored beam to fight those enemies uh it's made by a couple guys who worked on metroid prime uh inafune worked on this game i don't know how much yeah I don't know. he was the guy that trotted out at first to kind of represent the game yeah but as the mighty number no. nine situation developed they he kind of stepped away yeah. <laughs> like, you know what maybe <laughs> that's such a good idea if you're a part of this so much anymore but uh it's the last trailer. It comes out next week. I really thought this game would end up being delayed. It never was. Like mm-hmm. they, when they set the release date, they're hitting the release date. It comes out next Tuesday. Um, I think this trailer looks really good. It kind of goes back to the very first thing that we saw of this game. That was just kind of like this cinematic look at mm-hmm. it, uh, and then kind of you really middle, couldn't tell what you really couldn't it was at all. Be. And then in the middle, they went gameplay heavy and showed us what the game was like to play. And then this is kind of a mix of both those. So. Get your questions in for the Q&A session at the end of the show. Here is the launch trailer for ReCore. Dear Jewel, I don't have time to explain, but things didn't go like we planned. I left you with a few things to always hold on to. Loyalty. You don't have to watch your back when a friend always has it. Elusiveness. Be the one who finds, never the one who is found. And brute force. Sometimes the safest path is the destructive one. It won't be easy. If you remember these lessons, you will survive. If anyone can, it's you. Love you always. Dad. You know what really struck me about that trailer, Matt, is where indie games are now. Yeah. Like, I think that's like a 25 or $30 game, maybe. It's not a full-price game. Mm-hmm. Made by a small team. Look at that game. Yep. It's... 
God bless middleware. I mean, it is. A lot of it is middleware. Which, so, what? Who cares? No, it's like, great. But it is amazing what a small it's a team... a long way from Gamebryo, folks. Yeah. It's... It is amazing what small teams of developers can do now. Mm -hmm. It is great to see people like that being able to spend more time on the creativity of a game instead of just making sure that the engine runs and mm -hmm. things look okay. Like, that's just all kind of, like, expected now. The game's going to look good. It... You know, it's going to run well. Uh, now it's all about, like, how you are as, like, a creative person, what kind of ideas you can incorporate into your games, how you can shift the paradigm as far as game design is concerned. I mean, I do feel like that game does something different. Mm -hmm. um, it's a third-person shooter, but you just don't run around and shoot stuff until it falls down. There's, like, strategy that's involved with it. And uh, I'm really, I'm pretty hyped for that game. Definitely more hyped than I was yeah. when they first announced it. It kind of snuck up on me, but, yeah. I'll play it. All right, let's see if we got some questions here. Uh, let's see. Lots of fantasy football stuff in here. Looks like hmm. one of my players did really well. Oh, yeah, so the Sifted Fantasy League is, like, off and going. Um, we had an online draft. It was a ton of fun. We all sat in a chat on uh, Google Hangouts and got to know each other. It was awesome. Uh, we'll probably give updates throughout the season to kind of let you know uh, who's doing well in the league and who's not. Uh, but the season has officially kicked off. Tonight is the first night of the NFL season, so uh, everyone's kind of talking about our uh, fantasy teams in our chat today, which is cool. Here's one from uh, Snowpiercer. Are there any new IPs that have yet to be released that we know of that you believe will be flagship franchises for Xbox and Sony? I think Horizon Zero Dawn's got a shot. Guaranteed, yeah. Um... They'll never make another Last Guardian. No. No. Um, I feel like e Team Eco's games are just a franchise on their own. Yeah, well, they take place... <laughs> both of them Team took place Eco in the same is world the franchise, so far. So, yeah. Yeah. And this one looks like it certainly might also take place in that same world. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. I mean, Microsoft hasn't shown a damn new IP, and I don't know how... Uh, I'm I mean, trying to think of... Like, I, mean, I, mean, I, I feel like ReCore probably inspired the question. Yeah. Do I think ReCore is going to turn into a franchise? I could see there being a two one day. Yeah, maybe... Um, if you can get those people together again, you yeah. know, like, I don't know. Um, yeah, because it does seem like it was like a permanent studio. I almost feel like it was just like this collaborative thing yeah, where they're know. like, hey, let's work on this game together. And yeah, there's not, not a whole lot coming down the pipeline for Microsoft that's like new. Like Scalebound, like I don't see that. Scalebound's going to have to look a lot better than it does right now for me to think that that's going to have a future. Yeah, it, I've, it, I've it never looks, seen my hype level for that game. Just Scalebound looks like another one and done B list platinum game right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I Maybe think... some of the VR stuff for PlayStation VR. Yeah, I could see some of that. Um, but, like... Sony's yeah. not exactly introducing a lot of new IP either. No, I mean. but uh, I think Horizon is really... I think I could see another two or three of those. Oh, yeah. I think that's definitely destined for at least a sequel. Yeah. Will it turn into part eight or part nine on down the road? I don't Probably even know not. if that's really a part of the plan anymore. I mean, you look at like a franchise like Uncharted. They got the four, mm. and they're like... Yeah, although Uncharted lost its main creative force in the process. So yeah. if Amy Hennig was there, maybe they'd still be doing Uncharted. They threw her off the team, basically, well, yeah. though. I mean, but like, I don't think it has anything to do with it. No, I think it has a lot to do with it. Well, no, I, with what, them quitting because she's not there? But yeah. they felt like she wasn't the one to shepherd the series forward, though. I think they want to focus on the stuff that they came up with. Yeah. I want, they, they want to focus on The Last of Us and something new. They don't want to be stuck with her ideas anymore. I think that was what happened. Well, I think Last of Us, there's a good example. Last of Us is probably going to be yeah. a franchise that goes on for four or five entries, I'm guessing. Yeah. 
So there's um, another one. I mean, does Watch Dogs count? Because I feel like they're going to keep making those, whether, they, whether it's a good idea or yeah. not. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I, you know there's going to be another Watch Dogs. I don't know, man. I think there's the way that be... game's tracking right now. Mm. Ubisoft has made sequels to weirder things. In the meantime, we're never going to see Beyond Good and Evil 2 again. Um, now they say it's still in development. Well, still in development can mean a lot of things. Uh, what, what else is there? There's not that much. There's I, no new IP, dude. Everything yeah. has a number behind it. I think Horizon is really the, the, the number one answer for that. Because yeah. I, don't, I don't see that game flopping. Yeah. No, I definitely don't see it flopping. At least I hope not. I hope I like, want to play some more. Here's one from Vin Hill. If The Last Guardian is more like Eco and nothing like Shadow of the Colossus, would you be good with that? Um, mm. Yeah. I mean, I would don't, I be I'm, good I'm with it? Good, I'd be a little disappointed, but I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. That's probably the best way to put it. I, don't, I wouldn't say I'd be good with it. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, sort of like playing the, the Team Eco collection was like, I'm, you know, because I love, Shadow of the Colossus is probably my favorite game of all time. If, like, you push me to name a favorite game of all time, it's Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. So but, you're rooting for it to be more... I would like that. it to be more like that, but, like, but I played, you know, I also loved Eco, and, but I hadn't played Eco in years when that collection, you know, the HD collection came out, and I played Eco first, because I'd already, you know, I'd played... Shadow of the Colossus probably like four times through at that point. So I was like, well, I'll play Eco first. And I was kind of amazed at how, how much Eco didn't really grab me anymore. Um, I was first amazed That's at how... That's why like, I said, yeah, it would not be good I was first it. amazed at how, like, oh, right, this is from the days before the game told you what every button did in text. Right. Before. It's like, oh, you just got to figure it out. Cool. Oh, yeah, that, was, that, was a, that era was not as long ago as sometimes we think, or maybe it is long ago. Well, I don't know if it was an era. Like, that was one game in particular that, like, chose to do that. Oh, but it was more like that back in 2001. Games were more likely to be like that, yeah. but that game, I think that was a conscious decision. To yeah, it was, it was a much cleaner UI even well, at, than at the time. Well, they just wanted you to discover how right. you interacted with the girl. But, like, it was just one of those things where, like, it didn't even tell you how to jump. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right, games used to do that. Uh, whereas uh, Shadow of the Colossus does, you know, straight up teach you how to play it. Um, and I was amazed at how Eco felt weird and awkward now. Uh, I never liked it when it came out. I and I know it. a lot of people are going to hate me for saying that. Like, I, I think Eco is one of the most overrated games ever. One thing I will say about Eco is that it was kind of the first game in with that, that uh, aesthetic that, like, Journey and games like that mm. ended up following, where it's like, you must have, like, this silent adventure with just mm. music. Well, I liked it uh, off the bat because it reminded me visually of Panzer Dragoon. Yeah, uh, because there's that. Well, sort I love of, the art in the game. Well, that's sure. there's that sort of you know Team Eco stuff and Panzer Dragoon. Like they all have like this kind of lineage that they they owe uh, Mobius, the comic artist, uh, French comic artist. Like kind of that's sort of where that aesthetic comes from, and I love that aesthetic, and it yeah. just doesn't really show up much yeah. anymore, if ever. I love the art style in and, every uh, Team Eco. So game. even if like, I don't like everyone. the Last Guardian, and if I, if it's like some kind of weird like overly short Eco clone, uh, at least I'll enjoy looking at it. Um, here's one from Sublimingus. Any thoughts on Suicide Squad? Did you go see it? Nope. I haven't, I haven't seen it either. Do not care. I'm surprised you didn't go see it though, Matt. I had had enough disappointment over the course of the summer uh, from the tentpole stuff, and uh, I, every single person I know who saw it said it's horrible, don't go see it in a theater. 
Wow. And so usually you're the type no, of guy. Who normally, I'll go see anyway, though. but I a don't care about that franchise at all. B have already thrown twenty dollars down the hole called the DC Cinematic Universe once this year. Right. And uh, <laughs> three, I don't like the depiction of the of the Joker, like the the the, the tryhard, like damaged or whatever. Like, like oh, I I just oh. Like it's it's the well, they're always going to try to live up to Heath Ledger, and it's just never going to happen. Yeah, but you could you don't have to look like he just walked out of a hot topic in 1999. <laughs> like it's just it's so ridiculous, and yeah. it, and I just didn't. I, I'm like I just see it on cable or something. Like I don't, I didn't care. The last movie I saw in a the, in the theater this summer was Ghostbusters, and then I think the one before that I saw a press screening of Warcraft for free, and. That was it. That's what I. This is the worst summer for blockbuster films in, in, in my life. I have not gone to a movie all summer. It's because I never awful. go on opening night. I wait for people like you to say you need to go to see this. I always go on opening night, and I just couldn't get the. Well, interest you haven't up told to me that it. all summer. No. Like Shane, you need to go see this movie. So I haven't. No, I, <laughs> I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything. I most of it. A lot of it. I didn't. I don't care about Independence Day two, and I liked Independence Day one for what it was. Yeah. Although Independence Day is the point at which summer blockbusters started to become horrendously stupid. You're right. Because yeah. as much as I enjoyed kind of the homage to the old style sort of sci-fi schlock, yeah. uh, Independence Day 1996 is when Hollywood learned they don't have to try. Yeah. <laughs> and, like people are really desperate for entertainment in this from time. There. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, here's the next one from Case Money. Your favorite controller or ers of all time? Mmm, favorite controllers of all time. Um, I will say uh, the Xbox 360 controller is up there. And I also really love the Saturn analog pad. And the Saturn normal pad for fighters. That, that's the best yeah, D-pad. For fighters, but it wasn't very versatile, though. No, but it did have the des- best the Dest B-pad. The Dest B-pad. It, it, <laughs> it had the best D-pad of all time. Yeah. Uh, the Japanese Saturn controller has the best D-pad of all time for my money. Yeah. I would... Uh, you know what? I think I would honestly say the best controller I have ever used is the DualShock 4. Hmm. I am not kidding. I absolutely love that controller. I feel like I play better with that controller than any controller I've ever played with, like whether it be shooters or whatever. I love the the trigger action. I love the ergonomics. I love the sticks. I love everything about it. I've not had any build quality issues. I still have Uh. my launch. (laughs) I I know. I still have my launch controller. It still works great. I bought a spare. I hardly ever even use it. Uh, but also on the flip side, I would say that up until the DualShock 4, my favorite controller was the Xbox 360 controller. I will say that um, I do like the, three, the, the PS4 um, controller. Certainly the best of any PlayStation controller. It is a very good controller. I'm looking forward to seeing what the new one feels like. The, the, the little upgrade they're putting in the Slim and the, and the Pro. Uh, but having played a whole lot of time with the PlayStation 4, and now having played a few hundred hours with the uh, Xbox One Elite controller, I like the Elite controller better than the PS4 controller. Wow. And, uh, I mean, not, I mean, oh, I should add a caveat. I have not used the Elite controller. I mean, you better like it better because it's 150 damn Yeah, I have not used it, so. that is an excellent control if you can find one that isn't broken out of the box. Really? Uh, 
I went through two of them before I found one that did not wow. have broken uh, bumper buttons. The wow. bumper buttons are apparently fairly fragile. If you're not careful with them, they can break. So I'm not saying it's a great controller in terms of build. All the controllers this, this generation seem to have build quality problems. But I really, really like that one. Uh, here's one from Sleepy Droid. We kind of answered this one. Uh, do you think Nintendo will go fully mobile when they see the success that they'll have? Fully mobile? As in, like, they only make mobile games? No. Not... They will... You have to have to like drag... Like, someday? Maybe, but you'll have to drag them kicking and financially screaming out of the console space. I disagree. I think absolutely someday it'll happen. I think eventually... And it may take a while. It may take 10 to 15 years. Yeah. But eventually, I feel like some leader's going to come in there that's going to be like, what the hell are we doing? No, I think as Why long, are we... As long as there is any kind of juice in the console or handheld market, Nintendo will not walk away from it. Because they love being able to make their own hardware. They do, but they also love making money. And that's ultimately the goal of every yeah, company. Yeah, but as long as you're doing that, you can have your little vanity console along the side. They make tons of money off that. And I think Nintendo is... I don't the, is know if the, they made money on the Wii U after you talk about all the R&D and No, everything. but if you have a revenue stream coming in from the mobile side, it can help fund this other this sort of... But, yeah. Or you could just keep all that money. You could, and a lot of companies would, but I think Nintendo has the corporate culture that would allow it to internally justify keeping its console world going. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but I, I could see 10 years from now, I could definitely see that happen. Maybe if like everyone else just stops making consoles and Nintendo's the, only, the last man standing in that regard, I could see them being like, well, what are we even doing this for anymore? Um, but I think if, that, if the consoles go away forever... Nintendo will be the last one out. It's just too much a part of their DNA. Uh, I think that's it. I think those are all the questions that we have for tonight. If anyone has a last one, submit it now or forever hold your peace. Yeah, see, like Cheater Hater says, Super Mario Run will give them enough cash for three more middling consoles. <laughs> that's a good point. But I think eventually Nintendo's going to come to its senses and uh, it'll get out of the console space. And like Matt said, it may, everyone may be out of the console space at that point. Yeah. May just become Apple or iOS and Android world or iOS whatever versus the next Android and system is. Microsoft Windows 10 store sponsored by NVIDIA. Yeah, we shall see. So let's see if you guys got in one last one. Burko, oh, uh, Star Trek Online, thoughts. Just went on consoles. Have you played it, Matt? I played the PC one uh, for a while. It's basically the same game. Um, I liked it a lot. I mean, it's, you know, it's repetitive like any MMO, but I thought they played very fair with the free-to-play aspect. You can play pretty much all the content like without paying any money. Um, and uh, it's pretty, like, the combat's kind of, the space combat's kind of fun. The ground combat's kind of fun. Like, the away missions are, you know, there's stuff to do. I mean... If you like Star Trek, if Star Trek captures the imagination, if you, you like, I think you'll find something in there. You know, free to play. What do you got to lose? Give it a try. I liked it, and then I recommended it to one of my super hardcore Star Trek fans, who like didn't want to touch it, didn't want to get involved. If like, I don't like when they make games out of Star Trek, it never. And he played it for like 
hundreds of no he he finished everything and stopped like he he played up to the, like the the core content and all the episodes they'd released after that and he like and he like went through the whole thing like non-stop for like two months like that's all he did he's like yeah it was great never touching it again sucked my life away and that's my perspective it's an mmorpg i'm just gonna stay away hmm. i've not i've never found what i liked unless you count something like fantasy mm-hmm. star online which oh, really i like this count. one okay i mean i still wouldn't call it particularly fun to play moment to moment, but no MMO is. Yeah. Um, no game is, really. Yeah. <laughs> but, you uh, can go that far. Yeah, so... If, if, if you're interested, try it. It's free, free to play. What do you got to lose? Alright, so that's it, folks. Do not forget, get those questions in for... Oh, wait, we do have one more thing. Mm. We do have a new member of Sifted Elite this week. Uh-oh. And that person is... How do you pronounce it? Ebicuri? Ebicuri? Ebicuri, I'd say. Ebicuri, welcome to the Sifted Elite crew. I'm guessing that's shrimp curry. Yeah. <laughs> that's what and Ab- thank Abby you. means. Thank you so much for your donation, man. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, the good news is these people who come in late, they get their names like huge mm. on the screen now. Whereas like at first, everyone was just like really small. I almost missed them all. But uh, you get hooked up now if you're elite. So... Welcome to the green team. Uh, and don't forget, everyone, get your questions in for Pactor Factor. Go do it right now if you're on the stream. Put in a good one. Uh, remember what I said at the beginning of the show. Make sure they're smart and they're varied. So, everybody, have an excellent weekend. If you're a football fan, have a great NFL kickoff weekend. We'll see you next week. Game Face is up and out. You-